Experience the unconventional, the unpredictable, and the completely unorthodox. The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle on Talk Radio. It's all been going so well, right? Over the last five days, I let myself into the house. I shut the door behind me. What house? Ian's farmhouse. All right. I've got to go and feed the cat, you see. So I get in there. I do everything. The cat has started to wait for me now, which is always a nice sign. So it's kind of uh, flattering, yeah. isn't it, when a cat anticipates your arrival? Yeah, you guys are falling into a routine. It's yeah, exactly. Nice. She I, she seems to like me. She certainly likes her dinners. She's been eating up like a good girl. We've been having some quite good chats. And, you know, I've even stopped dry heaving when I empty her litter tray. So <laughs> I feel like we're both making progress. Uh, you probably have the toxic cat virus. Definitely, yeah. But hopefully... Mm. Oh, but be careful. Are you feeling promiscuous? Well, no, not at the moment, but... Because that's one of the signs. Yeah. Anyway. How would you know? You only know when you're in it, don't you? What, in the middle of promiscuity? Yeah, I go, what the hell? Honestly, it's not me, it was the cat. (laughs) So... I'm doing all this stuff. I'm getting feeling confident. I'm starting to get a bit flashy. Sometimes I, I ch- uh, today I changed it up a little bit. I went up and said hi to her, and then she came down the stairs with me, and she waited. And I quite enjoyed making her wait a little bit. And she's doing that thing where she's going do, around my legs in the figure of eight and everything, and she's uh, talking to me. I thought, yes, yes. Yeah. Who's the servant now? You are. I'm still the servant, yeah, but I'm I'm, I'm making a meal of it. Okay. So then, at one point, I had to take something out to the bin outside. And uh, I opened the door and just as I was about to go out, I thought, ah, one more thing. So I kicked, there's like two doors. There's an outer porch and then there's, there's the main front door. And I thought, so the outer porch door was open. Both doors were open. I thought, ah, just a minute. So I kicked the front door back. And at this point, I thought she'd gone upstairs. So then I wandered back into the kitchen. And as I come out of the kitchen with the bin bag, I see a tiny, skinny black figure disappearing out of the first door no no so it was like a slow motion stop as i lunged towards the door she in slow motion looks around like what the hell i thought we were friends why are you yelling at me and then she just shoots up the door (gasps) shoots up the um, stairs in the opposite direction because the thing is right outside that front door there is a really busy road wait outside a farm yeah a multi-acre farm is a busy road a little gravel drive but then and then sort of farm gates, right. which are open. I don't think that's in the country code, permanently open. But then there's a really busy road. Like, it's Filled not necessarily with- really busy, but but people chop down there really fast and you don't get any warning. Okay. So I don't like reversing out there because I can just see the fact someone taking the end of my car off at some point. Yeah. It was just that moment of, oh my God, I've done so well. You've done so well. He owes me big style. I can feel myself on my high horse. You know, yeah. I can get away with, I've got about, I reckon I've got about a month's worth of misdemeanors that I can get away with now because he owes me. Like, you know, I've been shoveling his cat's poop. So you owe me, man. And then I just saw that higher ground slipping through my fingers as the I had to explain to him that I let the cat out and she. Yeah, cat burger. Anyway, it didn't happen. Good. She cheated death. And I cheated. Well, I cheated probably getting... I, he would not want to work with me anymore. If I, that cat, anything happened to that cat on my watch, it would be over. We well, would be done. I mean, if some, if she just died of natural causes, that's one thing. But if you... My negligence. Yeah, Lucy Goosey just left the front door open. <gasps> and she got creamed by a horse trailer <laughs> on the main road. It, oh, and yet it's so... It's so like me to do something stupid like that. 
Are you clumsy? Yeah. I'm You're kind of a clod. I'm, I'm kind of, oh, just one more thing. Oh, and that's the moment. When I get, when I get fast and loose with the routines, that's yeah. when things go wrong. And of course, it would be one of those things where you go, and I didn't even need to do it. Why on earth did I turn around and do that again? Anyway, so the good news is there is still a cat. And the good news is I don't have to tell him that story. So no and, one tell him that story. And also the other other good news is that you don't have to feed her anymore. No, I'm going to kind of miss her. I gave her a double dinner today. Is that about right? Yeah. He's not back till late tomorrow. So I thought double dinners. Can cats like wean themselves? Can they wait or will she just eat the whole lot and throw up or something? Um, It depends. Yeah, she might be a binge eating cat. They're all different, mm-hmm. like like all of us. Sometimes they're modest and abstemious in their delights and enjoyments and other times they just eat like a chow hound yeah well we'll see but i just thought it was only fair she's gonna have all day stretching in front of her tomorrow at least she can have an extra dinner surely yeah assuming she's not eating it all now like the kid on the school trip who eats his sandwiches just as the car is pulling out of the driveway oh that's me i eat all my popcorn before the commercials have finished (laughs) before a movie you can't help it can you it's just the old hand-to-mouth action hey alan caddick Hey, Kath. Hi, Katie. Hi, Alan. What's going on? Well, I just want to say, my main man's back on the phone. Who's that? Sam. Oh, yeah, Sam is on the phone. Well, do you know Sam is producing the show tonight? To win for you. Yeah. But Monday will be back to normal with the governor back. Yep. I wonder where he's gone this week. Well, I'm sure he'll tell you if it's any of your beeswax, which I doubt. Well, I would like to get my first question prepared for the weekend. Go on, then. But I need to know the destination on where Ian had been. Well, I'm not going to tell you, because it's not my job. Well, have is a, he... Have a guess. I know he's aboard. Is he? But this is what I'm assuming. He might have gone to see a monkeys concert in the, in New York. Well, no, that's incorrect. incorrect data. No, I didn't say that was my confirmation. I'm just thinking. All right. What else would you think? What else can you imagine him doing? Be on the Xbox all weekend. <laughs> Why would I need to feed his cat? He's not that much of an Xbox fiend. Where I, what I walk past him on his beanbag and do all the poo clearing. No. I might go to see his sister in New Zealand. She's not in New Zealand anymore. Yeah. I'm missing out on so much. I don't think you're paying attention. Despite the fact that you can name most of the horses that have run in the Grand National and tell us Uh, where they came. Every Grand National winner from 1980 to this year. Do you want to challenge me, Katie? Okay, I'm going to just throw a date out. A year. Okay, a year. Here it comes. 1991. That was Seagram beating Gaius and Savannah in second, Auntie Dot in third, and Over the Road in fourth. He's right, Seagram. Wow. And who was the jockey, do you know? Nigel Hawk. It's true. <laughs> Give us another one. All right, uh, here we go. 2004. <coughs> Easy. Amberley House beating Clamwell in second, Lord Atterbury in third, and Monty's Pass in fourth. Ridden by? Graham Lee, Correct. given a fourth win for trainer Ginger McCain. That's <laughs> true. Why do you know all this stuff? Because I have a disability called Asperger's Syndrome, which is a type of autism, and some people are good at remembering things. With me, it's Grand National winners. 
Go on then, let's do another one. Can you do like before your time or is it purely no, within your since lifetime? 1980. Since 1980. All right then, let's go 1986. 86, that was West Tip, winner by Richard Dunwoody, beating Young Driver in second, <laughs> classified in third, and Mr. Snugfit in fourth. Wow, I remember that race. I remember my granddad putting a bit on Mr. Snugfit for me. I love Mr. Snugfit. And that was the first year I saw the Grand National on television. Wow. Wow. And I chose West Tip for me mum. Did you? Yeah. Gosh. My mum put the paper in front of me and she said, pick a horse. I just pointed the one out and it said, West Tip. God, Alan, this is amazing. Right, let's do, I, I can't resist doing another one. Can we do 1994? 94, that was Mini Hammer, owned by Freddie Star, trained by Marty Pipe, giving Richard Dunwoody his second win of the national, beating just so, with Moorcroft buying third, Ebony Jane fourth, Fiddler's Park in fifth place for Rosemary Henderson, and what the plan's been the last to complete the course. My God. If only you had this talent, but in the future. Oh, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? To predict the first four placeholders. Well, my best year predicting the first four was in 2010, when Tony McCoy won on Don't Put It, and I had that with Black Appalachian in second, Data playing third, and Big Fella Fanks in fourth. You know Don't Push It? Yeah, AP McCoy's horse. And who's the trainer? John Joe O'Neill. Oh and the other was JP McManus. That's right. Wow. Got it, you're amazing. You are amazing. You wouldn't get this with me, Ian. We certainly would not. No. You cut me off as soon as I start. <laughs> I think you're remarkable. So what's this weekend got in hold, uh, holding for you now? Well, our woman's supposed to be coming down on Sunday from Blackpool. Yeah, your brother. For a couple of days, yeah. What are you going to do? Well, I don't know. It depends on work and all that. Right. What, your work? No, his work. Right. Because he, he has put the time off, but they might call him in. Could he work at Harry Ramsden's in Blackpool? Oh, right, OK. Do you know Harry Ramsden's? Yeah. Big fish posh and fish and chip shop, yeah. Yeah. He, he's at the Blackpool Tower one. Oh, right. So he's not playing games. That's the proper one. I know. How wonderful. He's in charge of the deliveries. Very, very impressive. Hey, um, Caddick, it's nice to speak to you. You're a very talented man. I know. Speak on Monday, Cass. Bye, Cads. Bye. Bye. Wow. 03444991000. Do you have a secret talent? Can you rival... I mean, no one can rival that, surely, but have you got a secret talent that you could demonstrate to us tonight? Because I, I'm in the mood to be impressed. That's a good idea. Secret talents make the world go round. I have a secret talent, but I can't... I don't know that I could demonstrate it. We could try. Well, my secret talent, my my super my superhero skill, is that in any dance public dance situation, whether it's an office party, a wedding, an impromptu jig in a nightclub or at a pub, I can always start the whole room dancing. Oh, really? Yeah. How do you do that? I just, with my joie de vivre. So you can dance like nobody's watching when everybody's watching. Exactly. Yeah. And you don't care. I, I don't, well, I love it. Don't you feel creaky to start with? I always find, like, like, it takes me a while just to get into it, especially when there's not very many people on the dance floor. Um, I'm a show poodle, and I think that's actually just the lubricant that I need. <laughs> yeah, attention. What's your default move? Uh, I don't know. I just feel it. I go, it's it's an out-of-body experience, but in my body. I love it. Yeah. Well, I want to see that one day. Okay. 
We'll go dancing. Yes, please. Well, you go dancing first and I will follow because I won't be able to resist. You're like the Pied Piper. I am the Pied Piper. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. We were going to talk tonight about um, cultural differences. Yeah, culture clash. Your observations having moved here. What was it? I, I moved here in the mid eighties. Yeah. Or yeah, you know, eighty four. And uh, as an American, th- several things struck struck me immediately as very strange. One was the fact that ice, like you couldn't get ice in your drinks. That was seen as I don't even th- that just wasn't a thing. There was no such thing as cocktails. So I remember in a kind of fancy hotel bar asking for a martini. And then I had to describe how to make it. And then it was served in a half pint glass. What? Um, so just problematic things like that. I was thinking about it because there was an item today uh, on the BBC News online about uh, questions that foreigners had about British ways that perhaps British people didn't even notice mm-hmm. as being estrange. And one of them was... Um, the fact that you guys have separate hot and water, ta- hot and cold water taps, which I, maybe is a thing of the past. Do you have mixer taps now? Yeah. Yeah, because uh, certainly when I moved here 30 years ago, you always had the separate taps. And so you were either scalding your hands or freezing them to the bone. Yeah. And it turns out it's because in the olden days, like probably up until last year, um, the hot water was considered unsanitary and p- possibly contaminated because it was in a separate uh, container on the roof of the building. Yeah, and the then, tank. Yeah, the tank, which, which seems all very primitive, like rainwater that was, you know, heated up by a solitary candle, perhaps. Uh, maybe it was a tr- tradition from Jack the Ripper days. <laughs> Who knows? But uh, it was considered that the cold water was clean and you couldn't mix the two because perhaps the hot water would back up into the cold water pipe. But another thing that foreigners, and including myself, find really weird is that you have that gross DNA-covered, dingy, brownie gray string to, <laughs> to grip when you want to turn on the light because in the loo. Because you weren't allowed to have proper lights in you, the loo. You can't have proper lights in the loo. You can't have a, a real a grown-up light switch. You have to have this... You have to touch this thing that people have been fondling their, you know, innermost secrets and then just, you know, smearing the remains on the switch to kind of share the love. No, thank you. <laughs> it's so vile. I mean, I know it has to do with... it's. I read... The thing on the BBC explained that, you know, if you if you're able to stand in your bath filled with water and reach for the light switch, well, it has to be a string. I don't know why anyone would want to do that. But basically, they're trying to keep people from being zapping themselves. Yeah. 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 I When I first went to um, live abroad and my sister lived in America and I noticed it was a thing there, too. I did wonder why no one uses kettles abroad yeah because it's i use it for everything mine if i'm making pasta i'll do it with hot water from the kettle first off it saves so much time yeah whack it in and then put it on the heat and it's already boiling right so you don't need to wait for it to rise to the yeah there is actually a reason for that i was wondering about that too because when i moved here that was like one of the few things i thought hey okay british people have it incredible yeah the kettle is really the way forward into the future well it turns out it's because your voltage here is, is a lot higher so once you turn on a kettle, it's very efficient. The water boils quickly. And they you can buy kettles, electric kettles in America, but it takes a lot longer, uses up a lot of electricity. So we use the microwave. What, even for cups of tea? Oh, especially for cups of tea. Oh, you, that's heathen. You just put your your cold water in a mug in the microwave and set it to like one minute, 10 seconds. 
Or maybe two minutes. You know, I bang on about um, our friends over in New York, Keith and the girl, that have a podcast. Yes. We went to record, the first day we met them, we went to record a podcast with them in their studio, which is amazing. It's like they sit opposite each other. They go there every day. They've got their whole setup thing. They were able to like stream before people were streaming it. You know, they're they're just brilliant. And they had this coffee machine and um, one of their producers said, can I get you a cup of tea? And I was like, yeah, that would be lovely. You've been in um, New York for about four days at that point. And I don't know, I'm not really that crazy about cups of tea, but there's something about not having had one for a while that makes you really fancy one. So she went out and brought back this cup of tea really proudly and said, and I put the frothy milk in. Oh, oh no. no. What are you doing? I drank it out of politeness. Oh, my gosh. But she is laboring under some heavy misapprehension there that that's okay. I know somebody who had an electric kettle and um, because she knew what the score was with those kind of things, having lived in Britain. And a relative of hers came to stay, saw the kettle, plugged it in, turned it on and put it on the hob. That is overdoing it. Talk about overkill. Did she stop it before it melted all over the place or did it? I didn't hear the end of the story, but that was all I needed to hear. Oh, I just just thought of another disgusting thing that you British people do that I don't understand. And in fact, I put it on my Facebook to ask people, why the heck do you guys do this? And nobody came up with a consensus, which is the plastic tub that you put in the sink that gets all the scum underneath, like the horrible pond scum that collects underneath. So it's like this vat that you put the... You're like rinsing off the dishes. You don't put the dishes in it, or you might, but it collects in the water on the bottom all the food particles Uh. that get washed off, and then underneath there's a scum. And I asked... My Facebook friends and a lot of everyone was defensive. Like, no, it's a perfectly good idea. The washing up bowl. And yeah, the washing up bowl. And perhaps listeners can, you know, enlighten me because God knows I need it. But people, they couldn't reach a consensus. So some people said, well, obviously it's there to conserve water back in, you know, like Britain was like a second world country up until like 1999. Like (laughs) in terms of like, oh, you know, we have meters naturally in our bed sits and things like that. Um, And, you know, separate hunt cold taps and no dryers. That was another big thing. Maybe a washing machine if you're lucky, but no dryer. So you can just wear your mildewy clothes (laughs) until you just die of stank. But, um, yeah, so people were like, well, obviously it's to conserve water, you know, hot water or something. And then other people were going, no, it's to so that if you drop your china, it doesn't break. Oh, I hadn't heard that one People had just said all different things, and all of it is is not plausible to me. It all sounds like bullshine. I have no idea why we do that. And you're right, it doesn't seem right, because at least with this, it's always slightly smaller than the sink, so the saving water thing doesn't doesn't run with me. That's Mm. slightly less, you know, it's like a centimetre all the way around. No, that's not going to work. I have no idea why we do that. I mean, I, I, where I'm living now... I don't have a double sink because that's also another American thing. You gotta have a double sink. Um, so I have a but single- is that a kosher thing? No, it's just a like sensible, like a ergonomic thing where y- your dirty dishes can go on one side, and then you can do your washing and rinsing your vegetables and your hand washing and whatever it is uh-huh. on the other side. So I do have a washing up bowl, but I have it set to one side of the sink where I put all my dirty dishes, so I can keep the sink clear for my sink business. So washing an apple, washing my hands, you know, rinsing out something really quickly. 
Um, yeah, sink business. Sink business. Very important business. But uh, yeah, the washing up bowl with that, that just gave me the shivers. And people just loved the, you know, just kept it there. We're growing that, that culture on the underside of the plastic bowl. Yeah, that is a thing, isn't it? That sort of slimy. Is it? Is it soap? Is it the remnants of something you ate? Is it a mixture of both? Is it? A, I don't know. Is it some sort of alien culture? I think it's actually the start of, you know, after the nuclear holocaust. It's really, you know, you can recreate Britain from that. Yeah, so I think that. it's actually probably a good thing scientifically. Like a primordial soup. Yeah, that's it. It's okay. the ooze. Well, when it all comes down, then you can thank us for yes. being weird and having these bowls because there yeah. are loads of them around and it's co- they're covered in that crap and it's <laughs> going to save the planet. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. You're listening to Talk Radio and this is the late night alternative. The late night alternative with Catherine Boyle. You never know just where the conversation will take you on Talk Radio. Right. We've been talking on and off all week about, um, you know, modern dating and the fact that these days you often have conversations for a good month or so with someone you've never met before you get around to meeting up in person, right? And these are online conversations. These are online, yeah. So there's this article I found the other day, and we haven't got to it yet, and it's um, from The Mirror, about um, hilarious conversations, uh, Tinder conversations um, of the past, Um and, and the reason why the relationships didn't work out. So let me find it here for you and I'll tell you all about it. But have you ever got crosswires text-wise? A friend of mine did, but it kind of worked out for the best. You know, um, you know, you can dictate your texts. Yeah. Well, a friend of mine was newly single and he'd been married for a while. So he was completely rusty with the whole dating game. And so he started going out with this woman and... They um, had been out a couple of times and he just wanted to send her a nice little thank you text after nothing had happened, you know, nothing sexual had happened at that point. It was just all kind of hotting up. And he wanted to send her a little uh, appreciative text to let her know that um, he'd had a nice afternoon. So he did it via um, the dictation thing on his phone. And what he wanted to say to her was, thanks for this afternoon. How about next week? XXX right, is what he said to his phone. Yes. What his phone sent to her was, how about next week, expect sex. Oh. Yeah. But apparently she quite liked that. Oh. <laughs> so it worked out well. Yeah, it did. Yeah, she thought it was hilarious. But so there's this uh, this article here. When you match expect sex. I'm just laughing about that. Expect it. It's going to happen. Yeah. It's like it's a positive. <laughs> when you match with someone on Tinder, that first conversation is all about usually scoring a date. Most people go with a simple hello to start of a conversation, but it's hard to predict how things could take a wild turn. For the 12 people listed below, they've done one of these great listings, things certainly got weirder than they ever could have expected. Topics like murder and childcare entered their conversations through completely random ways, leaving them wonder how they got so out of control. <laughs> so here we go. The, the woman starts this conversation. How tall are you? Six foot three. Why? Oh, good. Yeah. How heavy are you? What? What are the numerical digits that appear on the scale when you proceed to apply your weight into it? Why does that matter? Why did my height matter? Hashtag double standards. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, kind of. um, He's being testy. He is a little. Yeah. Also, six foot three. That's something to boast about. I'd want people to ask my height if I was six foot three. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I guess. I guess. Right. How about poetry? I mean, poetry... It's always the way, right, to impress a stranger? No. So here's one. 
Roses it starts with the it starts this is in the blue side. Roses are red, violets are blue, just like the Titanic. I'll go down on you. That's the opener. I, mean, I think that's a little bit much. So that's the response is daisies are yellow, ferns are green. That might have been the best pickup line I've seen. What? They were a meeting of the minds on that one? Trashy. <laughs> so blue comes back. Carnations are yellow, lilies are white. Let me get your number and let's hang out some night. Grey, these poems are really beautiful. They leave me wanting more, so I guess I'll just go for it. Huh? What? What? That's the end. And meet you on the floor. Well, but they blacked it out, so it's obviously something really filthy. This is what we need to... Yeah, at least some asterisks so that we can do the word game ourselves. What a waste of time. I'm absolutely outraged. I'm writing a letter to the editor. Oh, Here's Sam, and Sam knows. Put Get on the microphone. Sam reckons it's probably a phone number. Yeah, that ends in a four, because you'd like to think that that would then... Ah, ah. See? Okay. See? Thank goodness Sam's here. Thank God you're here to translate these things for us. Man alive. I was thinking, what? What? Oh, so that's why it's blacked out. So we all can't call and And recite poetry to her. Because apparently that's what floats her boat. When all you wanted was a date, but now you're playing Russian roulette. So I'm writing a book right now. About? Well, it's a phone book and it's missing your number. Uh-huh. So she sends two phone numbers. One of those is mine. One is my dad's. Good luck. <laughs> uh, that is a Russian roulette. Yes. All right, here's one. That escalated quickly. Tinder is telling me to think outside the box. Oh, God, really? Tinder is telling me to think outside the box, but all I can think about is being in yours. That's honestly one of the worst I've heard. All righty, show me what you've got. I'm probably more lenient judge than you are. How's your relationship with your father? What? Oh, dear. I I mean... I don't... I'm lost on that one. This is just convincing me I've made the right decision to, to not even buy a smartphone that will allow me... Don't, because you'll end up in conversations like this. All right. Uh, how are you? Tell me a little about yourself. Uh, Blue comes back. Just a small town girl living in a lonely world. What town are you from? Born and raised in South Detroit. Nice. What brought you to Chicago? <laughs> Took the midnight train going yeah. anywhere. Yeah, right. When are they... Oh, man. Why can't people just talk to each other like, you know, human beings instead of being knobheads? Frankly? All of this stuff just There's makes... There's a reason they're single. They deserve it. Yeah. No, they'll... I don't know. It, it all makes me want to take a nap. I'm obviously co-opting, uh, or not co-opting, but I'm getting out of getting out of the 21st century. I'm too much of a steampunk. Yeah. I'm too much like 1970s with a sprinkling of 2001. Did you see Mr. Three Doors Down today? I didn't, and I looked for him. I, I In fact, I made sure that even when I went to throw away the trash or the rubbish, as you like to say, in this land, I had not only eyeshadow, concealer, but <laughs> mascara and blush on. Normally, I don't make good that full, full <laughs> to effort. To take the rubbish out? Yeah, take the rubbish out. Looking like a Hollywood star. <laughs> Looking like you're expecting the Daily Mirror to be outside by the bins. One time I was, is it doorstepped? Yes. Doorstepped by by a tabloid i can't remember which one it was in los angeles but i didn't live there anymore so, so they came to my old address because they wanted to talk about <laughs> they wanted to talk about terry christian being on big brother 
Wow, that is a isn't that weird? Like who for cares? something like that? Yeah, yeah like you normally doorstep, you know, someone who's ripped a load of people off and they won't answer the phone, or they've, um, you know, uh, an errant politician who you know owes everyone a, a response. Not someone who happened to work with a guy who now is on Big Brother. <laughs> it's called scraping in the bottom of the barrel. Oh my God, and that's what the tabloids do. Was he an English bloke, or was it someone who was out there anyway? Yeah, they've flown him out to find you. Oh, I'm sure there's there's plenty of uh, expat English people in Los Angeles who are scratching away and trying to earn a crust while living the L.A. lifestyle. God, God. And they're just waiting for Terry Christian to go in uh, Big Brother so they can find you and they know where you live. Yeah, it was really weird. It was weird. Like and nothing, you know, it was benign because I wasn't even there. It was thousands of miles away. But the person who still lives there. Let me know. <laughs> God, how weird. Um, how about we talk... Uh, oh, should we do um, Cheating Death? Oh, what do you have on Cheating Death? Cheating like, Death. I thought you... Well, your, the cat, your Ian's cat was Cheating Cheated, Death. Cheated Death. She has no idea. She just thinks Ve- I yelled at her for no reason. Velvet was making a run for cat burger immortality. Didn't realize it. And there's me lunging towards the front door and slamming it fast and shouting. And she sort of went, why are you yelling at me? Yeah. Um, 03444991000. We want to hear from you tonight if you have managed to cheat death in however big or small a fashion, right? This is an extraordinary... There's two extraordinary stories on this subject. Um, and I've been meaning to tell you about this first one since, like, Monday. Um, and then there was another one. And I thought, like, something... The universe is trying to tell me that I've got to get this... That I've got to squeeze these stories out <laughs> somehow. So this is one. A, a three-year-old boy, and this is a really sad story, but also an amazing story. A three-year-old boy and his one-year-old brother were on their own, possibly for as many as four days, after surviving a single vehicle crash that killed their mum in South Arkansas. Mm. The older of the two boys was found on Monday morning after the authorities received a 911 call about a boy seen walking by himself in a rural area on a state highway near, near Camden, Arkansas. Uh, which it that's not Wichita, but Wachita, would it be? County? Wachita County Detective Nathan Greeley told CNN. The boy was covered in cuts and scrapes and appeared to have been outside for an extended period. And you could tell he was extremely traumatised, Greeley said. Oh, my God. Officials gave the boy a bath, food and a change of clothes and distributed a description of him. A family member contacted the sheriff's office and told authorities that the boy's one-year-old brother was likely nearby. <gasps> The relative also said the children's mother had not been seen since going grocery shopping on Thursday. My God, can you imagine being the family member? After going door-to-door in the area where the three-year-old was found, sheriff's deputies located a vehicle overturned deep in a ravine. The car was on its side and not visible from the road. The one-year-old was found inside the car, still fastened into his car seat. Mm. Greeley told CNN the boy was found alert and responsive. He was removed from the vehicle and transported to a local hospital. Ah. Nearby, deputies discovered the body of a woman who'd been ejected from the car. They confirmed that the identity of the woman is 25-year-old Lisa Holliman. We're still trying to determine the timeline, but the mother was last seen Thursday, Greeley said. This is one of the most remarkable things I've ever experienced in my 11 years at this department. It was a miracle and a tragedy all in the same day. Greeley said conditions in the area, about 80 miles southwest of Little Rock, had been hot and humid during the time the children were likely along the roadside. He said a series of thunderstorms also had moved through the area. Oh, no. Oh, no. James Holliman, Lisa Holliman's father, told um, the um, local uh, local news outlet, 
that the family found out at the hospital that she was four weeks pre- pregnant. Oh, that's so sad. Uh, H- how long was that toddler? How how old is he? Like four years old? Three. Three years old. How, they how, reckon about four days. Four days. Yeah. Yeah, could have been four days. I think it's... Uh, this is like neither here nor there, really. But how weird that somebody just got a phone call. Like, wouldn't you scoop up a child that you saw wandering along? Yeah. Like, like, rather than just calling in and I've say, just seen a kid wandering about. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. wouldn't you say, you know, hey, are, where's your mom? And are you okay? And because this isn't that thing, right? Where I, I've spoken to people and I've kind of experienced it a little bit myself where you're in a supermarket and there is a lost kid and they're crying for their mum. And I know men in particular these days feel uncomfortable about approaching a kid that's not theirs, taking them by the hand and taking them to some, you know, to a place of safety because they feel like assumptions are made and that we're living in a world now where people are suspicious like that. I remember seeing a kid in a in a trolley, a supermarket trolley, and the mum was distracted with something else, and she'd let go of the trolley, and it was rumbling down oh, the gosh. car park. And I grabbed it and, and kept it out of the road. Yeah. And it was only when I looked down at the kid's terrified face because she was thinking this woman's snatching me or something, I realised what what it could look like, uh. you know. And I, although I think with the woman there is a level of society kind of expects you to nurture like that whereas mm. with men there's this suspicion that's really sad because there are loads of really good dads out there and not that many comparatively not that many perverts and also there are equal number of you know there are also female perverts out there so if anyone's going to be suspicious we should all be suspicious but for the most part people are good yeah so i wonder whether it was that thing of i don't want to pull over in my car and talk to some kid but he's tiny he's three yeah well or you could just pull over and wait with in the, the child. area yeah yeah yeah. But oh gosh, it's and to what do they attribute the children's survival just the fact that they're young and bouncy and They just don't know. Yeah. He was out of the car. The youngest was still strapped into the car. Yeah. I'm guessing once it's in a ravine, no more harm can come to the vehicle. So he would have had to climb out of that ravine as well and no. and the fact that he made his way to a road is very lucky because oh, he could have been wandering around in the woods or something. It's incredible. That poor kid, the poor family. I mean, and oh, so sad, but they're lucky to be alive. Yeah. You hear things about children surviving stuff like this quite frequently or falls and stuff because they don't brace and they don't um, anticipate impact because they have no experience of it. Yeah. So they just go floppy and then that saves their bacon. But yeah, what an amazing story. What a sad story too. Oh, Matt's on the phone. Hey, Matt. Yeah, this didn't go dark at all. No, hi, ladies. Uh, hi. We're trying to we're trying to lift it as well. I mean, good news: the kids are okay. Good. <laughs> Let's not think about the rest. Oh Lord! Let's talk about something else depressing. Let's talk about my dating life since we're talking about. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, yes, please. No, Inform really us. Oh, really? Um, no, God, no. Um, I actually had to delete the apps because it just got too depressing. Oh, how come? Because. Two things. One, it feels as if it is being in a bar or a pub or any sort of public place in real life half the time in the way that it is so vain and you can easily just say yes or no completely to looks and not paying attention to anything else. Um, And it kind of messes with your head a bit. Mm. It's very odd, the, the, the dynamic that it can play with you. And honestly, too, it's it's just, it's awful. It, it's not, it's nowhere near as much fun as I thought. And I think, for two, well, 
lately what I've been using, uh, doing with it is kind of just seeing in different cities that I travel to how dating profiles are different. Right. And uh, because in every place there's such a unique world of uh, how people interact on it, what people say in their profiles, what they do. Um, and it's, you know, in my hometown of Cleveland, it's all about, or New York is very witty. It's a bit clever. Same here. Um, Toronto and Montreal a bit, but you go to some, uh, you know, a smaller city, um, and it's very much, uh, it's almost as if it's like shopping at a store. It's like walking into uh, a Tesco and saying, I want right. this type, I need this to, you know, to make this happen, and I need this type of ingredients all put together, and if I can't do that, then I'm not interested. Because you'll see, looking for a man that has his stuff together, I don't have kids or don't want kids, don't need drama. It, it's like putting on the te- daytime television, and all the crap that you hear on that is just put into the profiles. And oh, for some my. places, it's just not fun. It's like, I want to talk. I want to meet people. I want to chat with you. Yeah, and but also- some, of them, it's, some of it, it's so, well, I need to make sure that, uh, you know, what, you travel a lot. So what? What happens if we get really close? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just getting to know you via message right here now. Anyway, do you want to hang out and have a good time or not? Yeah, so they want to kind of plan everything out before they've even met you. It's crazy. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. We're not talking about marriage and figuring out what colors we're going to have at the wedding reception right now. I just want to know where we're going to get a drink on Friday and have a good chat, and hopefully I can make you laugh and we can have a good time. That's what I. What happened to that old-school way? And what's funny is that once I deleted them, then I realized that actually meeting people in person the old-fashioned way and talking is such a night and day difference, such a night and day difference, and so almost refreshing all over again because I can just be me, and they can make that instant judgment of, of, you know, whether they're interested or not, and I can do the same vice versa. You're not judging it based off of exact colors and and um and, and clothing and yeah photos. and yeah it's like statistics it's like lining up statistics and like you say ingredients and i think the thing about meeting somebody in person or meeting anybody for the first time even if it's not going to go anywhere it's fun to have that little sparky exchange yeah. and a little bit of flirtation yeah. it's life affirming and also that moment you'd think wow i find you really attractive and you're completely different to anyone i've ever met before so you're not going in with a preconceived notion of what you want yeah, yeah. that's a trying someone out what's wrong with that trying something out and seeing where it goes there is a whole industry of ghostwriters and people that write these profiles. What? People that really? write messages. A friend of mine ran a business for many years. She shifted her thing. Um, she wrote a whole book on it. She had a staff of people that would actually help write the messages. So I don't even know half the time. I, I'm a clever, creative writer. I like to think I am. So I like to be clever and creative and be a little witty in the writing. To me, that's fun. It makes it different. It makes me stand out. Yeah. And not everybody does that. And I get that. And you can get the messages from people and you go, okay, it's not you know, what I was. No, that, that attracts me when someone sends me something you know, intriguing and, and different. It makes my brain go, ooh, I like that. Um, but what's weird with that is um, a couple years ago, about four or five years ago, um, a magazine in New York, one of the big magazines, did a story about her and her business. And she took my dating profile on, I think it was OK Cupid at the time, because I think that's what was popular then, um, took it, analyzed it, what was wrong, 
what I, what was good about it, what was wrong, what I needed to change. Uh, and said so she said, I'm going to use this as some information in the in the article. I said, great, not a problem. It ended up being an entire page in the magazine with my photos. Oh, my entire thing. It was as if you would get a, a, a book report back in school. Yeah. And the teacher would write like notes and red ink on this type. That's pretty much exactly what it was, an entire page. So like millions of people were judging my profile and my and my dating life. Wow. <laughs> so here's what you said wrong. This is why you should word this differently. Oh. And I looked at while well, I went, okay, great, that's kind of cool. The ridiculousness that we have to analyze, the, your photos need to be with more other t- with other people and less about you and doing more fun things and doing this. Like, I don't want to do that work. I don't care. I don't like to go out and hang out with groups of people anyway. So why do I need to go hang out with, do I need to walk into a pub, go up to a group of people, go, hey, I need a photo for my dating profile. Can I pretend that I'm drinking with you guys and, and I made you laugh, and I can use that. That would be great. I'll buy you all a pint. But, do it that way. but Matt, if it works, then you're going to be found out immediately for being a complete fraud. It's like putting someone else's photo there, suggesting that you have a different kind of life. Yeah. If anything, I'd want to put complete parody photos in there of me living my best life. But when you look at them, you realize it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. And not anything, you know, it's almost making fun of everybody that puts. Look, I'm at I'm at a music festival. Look how cool I am with this. I'm out with my friends. Look, I'm drunk at a nightclub. Like I don't care. <laughs> yeah, it's the thing when when uh, posting on these dating apps gets boiled down to such a fine science, it almost seems like it's a branding exercise rather than looking to meet other people. Yeah. And then if you are that concerned about it, it seems like it's just a bunch of ad agency people meeting other ad agency people yeah. rather than oh, a God, human yeah. being you know meeting another human being listen Matt, i want to talk more about this but we need to take a break can you hang on for us i'll be here wonderful if you want to be the person who comes on after matt you don't have to go out with him but you might like to oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand no 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 don't say that don't we, say that. we can but try matt hey listen the other thing didn't work let's try something new oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand i'm only playing uh, or you can text us on uh, oh, uh, 87222, put talk and your message there. Have you ever had success with this stuff? Because all we're hearing, all we've heard all week is like horror stories, yeah. and stories of deception. Or you can tweet us at Talk Radio, at Flipping Kath, or at Katie Puckrick, because it's me, Catherine Boyle. And, and Katie Puckrick. And we're here with you till uh, one o'clock this morning. Give us a shout. The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle on Talk Radio. Not just me, Katie Puckrick's here too, and we're talking to Matt on the phone. You still there, Matt? I'm still here. Of, I... of course, I'm single, and it's a Friday night. What else am I going to do? <laughs> you know, call a talk radio station. Hang out with us. So I've got your um, article that you sent me of the uh, yeah. the corrections made by this expert. I like your pictures. What did She didn't have a problem with your pictures, did she? No, it was a little bit later on, um, someone else made a comment, another friend of mine that does it, um, who said that I need to... Uh, has some more professional looking. One person no. she said actually said she has a photographer. It's a friend of mine in New York. She has a, a photographer. Um, she's a professional matchmaker, and for people that are looking are, are taking it way too seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I think it's one hundred fifty dollars. You get a shoot with a, about two or three different outfits. She said, you know, she'll take photos and 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 get them exactly right, and you know uh, that will change everything, and you'll get matches right away. And part of me thought about doing it just purely as an experiment, just to see. But I didn't want to shout out $150 to do that. That's though. crazy. And of yeah. course, right, she's a professional matchmaker. It's in her interest to make you feel like you can't do it on your own. But yeah. I can only imagine that if I saw someone's profile that was that polished, I'd think, 
yeah, if it's not too, sure I'm if it's into too this. slick and too kind of pat, you wonder how yeah. genuine the person is. You go to L.A. or New York, uh, not so much here, but especially in L.A. Oh God, I it's bet all headshots. It's all headshots. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, it's, everyone everyone's a waiter and an actress, so of course they're using it that way. Yeah, yeah. So you reckon the old... know this? Go on, sorry. Um, I found out a couple of days ago that OK Cupid, Plenty of Fish, Tinder, and Match are all owned by one company, one Shut publicly up. company. Really? Yeah, it's like there's big love now. You have you know big oil and and big this. Now there's big love. The big websites are all by uh, it's Match. What, whatever the parent company of Match.com is, they bought up Match everybody Group. else. That's yeah, true. Group, yeah. See, I thought one of them, I thought it was OK Cupid, but I may be wrong. I thought that had a kind of Christian bent and where... No, know, it's Harmony, E-Harmony. Oh, right, E-Harmony. And, and, and ChristianMingle.com as well. That exists as well. Christian Mingle. Christian mm. Mingle. Then there's Jew, I think it's Jew Date. I think it's something like that where Jew, <laughs> the Jewish community has their own as well. Um, there's now one that's made just for Trump voters in the middle of America. I don't remember the name of it, but they have their own website now. So There was one advertised on TV over here about two years ago that was called UniformDating.com. And it was for people who wear uniforms or like people who do. Huh. What, any uniform? Like a, yeah, like a, what, like a, a dinner a, lady? A lady tabard or, um, yeah, or a or traffic a, warden. D- dustman. I think they were thinking... Lollipop lady. I think they were thinking more like Richard Gere. Have you and seen some guy working on the road, you know, utility guy, and you Wah! thought, I want to date a guy like that. <laughs> yeah. This is the website for you. If the village people are your flavors, then <laughs> uniform dating is the one. Oh, my God. I, I mean, I can't imagine being that specific, but I guess, right, the more niche things you've got, the more people start thinking, I have a type. Like, we talked to one yesterday called, what was it called, Bristler? It was just bearded men. Oh, yeah. Hairy bearded men. Oh, God. And where, why have we gotten so specific and gotten away from the fun of it? Why can't it, what happened to this, uh, hey, you know what, you seem interesting, let's just go out and hang out for an evening. It's now so specific that you have to meet a certain criteria within a certain age with certain looks with a certain background and certain family that that could potentially match with this. You know what? I know for me personally, because I'm a bit off and a bit odd and a bit different, and I'm not the, you know, when you compare me to, you know, looks-wise with other people, I know I'm not, you know, a, a 10. I get that. It's more of a personality thing. So I know that's what's my selling point. But you can't always sell and put, you know, your best effort and 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 show genuinely who you are in just a few words on an app where people are swiping swiping left and right, and they're not even most of the time they don't even read the the um, the description that you yeah. put in there anyway. Yeah, they're not bothering to read it. Yeah, they're just they're going on looks, aren't they? Do you they? know the long term relationships I've ended up in have kind of crept up on me. People grow on me, you know, and and you find yourself discovering that you're attracted to them. And I always find that more powerful than for get a load of that because often I find that there's not an awful lot to there's not enough to back it up afterwards. And and then the looks kind of start to take a back seat. Really, not really. If they're boring, you don't really want to see them again, do you? No, not at all. It's, it goes the same, uh, you know. For the opposite sex as well, it's the same exact way. I've gotten to the point now where my description in my profile now says I put a kind of a, a, a starter uh, for two reasons: one, just to be different, but B, I'm also curious to see who actually reads it. So yeah. it has, um, I think it's my slogan of um, endlessly curious about everything and everyone. Mm-hmm. And then I say, tell me what's the most embarrassing song you've ever downloaded on your phone. 
Oh, that's good. Like, a, like as a basic question. And probably for those that have messaged back, maybe 30 or 40% at most actually respond to it. So I don't think the, any most people are actually reading the actual description. It's just swiping through, seeing photos, and see where it goes. Oh, I guess so mindless, surely. But I don't know. I, I, there are people listening to this now, and it's worked for them, but uh, they're not yeah. phoning me because obviously it's worked for them, if you know what I mean. Matt. Maybe they're too busy. Um, 03444991000. I wish you luck in your quest, but I'm thinking it's going to happen when you when when you relax and you seem to have found that the old-fashioned way is the best. I'm not worried about it. It's, yeah, it's one of those I'm enjoying it, having fun, and I'm doing my own thing and building stuff and all. And when it happens, it happens. I'm not forcing it. And, you know, in the meantime, you use the apps and just have fun. And it creates some odd stories and interesting people to meet, even if it doesn't go anywhere. It's, it, you can't force it. It's, it's all in fun. What's the strangest thing that's happened to you on a date or, weird, or most awkward? Most awkward thing. Um, finding out that um, she was an old friend of an ex of mine that I had a really bad falling out with. Uh. Um, just did not know because they they lived and grew up in the same part of the Midwest. Uh, but I met her in New York where my ex lived for a bit as well. And that's where she and I dated. Oh, man alive. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was just a tad bit odd. And how soon into the date did you discover that? Or was it a while? Um, it was probably maybe a half hour or something. We were just talking about, uh, because she lived in, and my ex lived in a like one big major city. She lived in Detroit. I lived in Cleveland. Um, and they're about like two and a half hours apart from each other. And there's a bit of a rivalry between the two. So she brought up Detroit. I said, oh, we're in Detroit, blah, blah, blah. Oh, that neighborhood. Yeah, my ex went to school there. Oh, my ex went there. I'm like, oh. And then you kind of figured it all out. And, I mean, what are the odds? Uh, that made it interesting. It, it's, they weren't really close or anything, and it was fine. But um, that was odd. there was one that was really, really bad, but it is not something I can say on the radio at all. Okay. <laughs> that, that, I'm, that. So I'm we'll intrigued, that and that's the story I want to hear, but maybe for another time. Yeah, that'll be for another time. Uh, really quickly, I've really enjoyed listening to both of you all week. This has been a lot of fun, and thanks for letting me call in. Oh, it's, really it's been so fun to talk to you. Absolutely. Enjoy this. Cheers, thanks. Matt. We'll speak to you again. Have a great night. Bye, right, you, you too. too. 03444991000. We're yet to hear from someone who has used the app to their advantage, and it's worked for them, and it's found them the love of their lives. We're equally interested in the awkward stuff too. Yeah. If you want to give us a shout, we'd appreciate it. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. Also, have you cheated death, right? It can be in a massive way, it can be in a tiny, almost insignificant way. You know what to do with this stuff. Give us a shout. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. You'll be talking to me, Catherine Boyle and her Katie Puckrick. On the late night alternative, and we are waiting for your phone call. The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle. You never know just where the conversation will take you on Talk Radio. I've been lost when I was a kid, but this this story um, from Russia takes a takes a cake. I think. What what's what's the story? We were talking about you know earlier on we were talking about the kids that were found and their mum had been oh, killed yeah, in a car yeah, crash, yeah. right? And it's kind of amazing that they'd survived it. This Cheating is a, death. This is a girl who um, a teenager, fifteen, Svetlana Evai. She was lost in the Arctic for two weeks. 
Right. What school trip gone wrong? No, she's from a nomadic tribe. So I mean, I wait think a that minute, gives her the edge. Wait a minute, no, she's not a very good nomad. Nomads aren't supposed to get lost. Well, they're supposed to wander, but then yeah, they're not supposed to get lost. She managed to avoid bears and wolves as she wandered around the remote area in northern Russia trying to find her way home. Her survival's been hailed as a miracle, as it also emerged that she survived freezing temperatures overnight when she was only seven miles from her family home. She's from a family of reindeer herders, and she got lost and disorientated on a four-mile walk from her summer camp to visit her brother. I mean, the fact that she was left to walk four miles to visit her brother on her own suggests that maybe the um, invisible parental elastic is slightly stretchier than... Than in a non-nomadic family, right? I, I want to know what the tricks of the trade are to surviving in, in the tundra like that. Do they have any tips? Well, apparently she was um, eating berries and... Uh, she was eating berries and... What? Reindeer wee? I don't know. She must have... Snow? Yellow snow? I'm guessing. Hang on, let's have a look. Survived on wild cranberries, black and red currants and cloudberries, which were mostly unripe. Delicious. Sounds like granola. Uh, despite, well... Despite suffering from exposure, medics said her vital organs are safe and there's no threat to her life. Her blood pressure and heartbeat is stable. So she's wa- she's wandering or did she stay put? I always want to know these sort of like did she's she bu- wandering? Did she build a shelter? Oh, she's a nomad. She can't not wander. So she got she, because she got wet in the thawing permafrost, suffering leg and knee injuries from crawling. She was crawling. Yeah, bless her. That's not so wandering, is it? No. Uh, it helped that there was a lot of water in the tundra, so she had no problem drinking. But you're almost when you walk along the tundra in summer, you're almost knee deep. She ate berries, and they're not completely ripe at this time. But knee deep God, in what? In in water. Oh, so it's a big marsh. Uh-huh. And so she's thirteen. Fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah. She went to go visit her brother. Why he was four miles away? Yeah. I wonder what he was doing. He was in a different camp. Summer camp. He was in a different summer camp. I'm guessing. I mean, the reindeers went. A wall, and they were all chasing after the reindeer. It's incredible. It's incredible. You know, when I think I won't let my kid, I let my kids go around the corners of their grandma's house, right? And I do this thing of, okay, this is absolutely fine. This is okay for you to do this, and this is healthy for me to let you go. Sure. And as soon as they're out the door, I ring my mom. Will you call me as soon as they get there? Okay. And you send the the drone camera up to follow them. I go and stand in the top bedroom and make sure I can see them. (laughs) I don't know. It's probably wise. You hear such horrible stories, but they so. Did she say that she fought off bears? I want a revenant scene. Did she fight off bear, brown bears she, and wolverines? She just avoided them. She just avoided them. I don't think you can fight. I, I mean, you've been to summer camp, right, as a kid in America? Oh, I got the worst nettle stings ever. It was called child slave labor. They said to us at Camp Tonaduna in Michigan in the 70s, Hey, kids, this will be fun. Go clear that hillside of nettles what for a future amphitheater for next year's kids so we got no benefit from it and we just obediently did it and nettle stings everywhere the skin was showing incredible yeah so i wasn't happy about that but at least we did get a good meal at the end of the day and i didn't wander for four days did they use their own names the counselors oh (laughs) Because isn't there a thing where they use kind of oh they're fake oh, like uh, like sort of Indian uh, names or you know Wolverine kind of. well or... yeah my sister did Camp America and so they all had different names and I think oh, she no, was Sparky that. and but there was one girl and they really had to talk her down from a name that she was very sold on and they were going you can't really you can't I don't think it's a good idea nurturing beaver nurturing beaver she's looking at the qualities invested by mother nature 
on these beloved dam building rodents. Yeah, but these were city kids and it just wasn't going to fly. It wasn't going to fly. You know, I had a teacher in fourth grade, and that's when you're nine years old, and her name was Mrs. Cum. <laughs> K-U-M-M. And I figure... She didn't call herself Coom? No, Mrs. Cum. And the thing is, you really, if you want to warp young minds and be a school teacher, and your name is Mrs. Cum, you can't really teach children older than nine years old. No. And even nine was probably pushing they it. start to get wise to this stuff. Yeah. No, so I'm impressed with the um, the nomadic child, teenager, yeah. who, who found her. How did they find did the? How about the nomadic parents? Did they, how good were they at? I wonder how long it took for them to realize that she probably does not have a mobile phone, I'm guessing. Like yeah. kids these days, when they go around the corner, they get these phones because it's for their safety. Um, no, it doesn't say anything about her parents being, hang on, let's have a look. I am interested in all these details because the life is so, so different to anything that we would have experienced. So, Well, here's the thing. The rescue team arrived after three days. Oh, they called in a rescue team. But it took another 12 days to find her, despite the fact she was only a few miles away. And Hope had been running out for finding her alive with night temperatures dipping to freezing point in the late summer. Her family feared she'd been attacked by brown bears, which were seen roaming in the region. In the end, her uncle found her suffering from exposure, but walking towards him, said her Aunt Irina. Oh, so the uncle. Okay, so the nomads... So the nomads found her by themselves. Okay, good. When she went missing, people were worried because the bears are roaming very close, said one source. She was airlifted to hospital by a search helicopter, reported the Siberian Times. My God. It's a jungle out there, even in the tundra. Look at it, though. I mean, it it makes Glastonbury look like, like Magaluf. Actually, it does look a little bit like Glastonbury. It does. It's like, you know, minus it's the nudity. Wasteland and tents, and that's the way she lives anyway. So, you know, obviously this kid is made of sterner stuff, but still, that's an impressive, uh, an impressive survival story. Have you ever had an impressive survival story? Not like that. I mean, I'm not an outdoorsy kind of girl. I got the Gold Duke of Edinburgh's Award, but that was largely by just following people who knew how to read maps. But um, my survival was purely accidental and not down to any kind of um, grit or effort on my part. Any, In fact, it was down to silliness. And this was a story, um, I was about 20 and walking down the street with a boyfriend of mine. And as we walked, I kind of shoved him. He shoved me into a wall um, and we were kind of having this play fight. And then we carried on walking. And as we carried on walking, about, let me see, about... Four feet ahead of us, a car just came off the road and ploughed into a tree. <gasps> and it would have taken us out. If we hadn't been messing around, if we'd have just kept walked in a straight line like regular people, we would have been taken out by you that. You would have been a cath splat inc- on the wall. It was incredible. And there would have been nothing we could do about it because it was completely unexpected. Just com- He just came off the road and straight into this tree. That Bam. is... The great pumpkin who oversees all of us having just a little a little laugh and a little bit of fun. I'm guessing our next caller might have a theory about what was behind this, but I could be wrong. I don't like to judge, but Rainbow George. Hello. Good evening. Hello. Do you think Hello? there is a there is a great? I know you think there is a greater power. Does it intervene in things like that? Does it stop people being um, smashed into trees? It does everything. It controls everything effectively. I, I'm quite convinced that we're all being remotely controlled to think what we think and act the way we act. To, to, to me, this is all a, 
a mystery play and everyone is playing the part that they've been scripted to play in it. So George, I, I just you... suppose us all to be spirit beings yeah. tra- trapped in human bodies and I, I, I sense that we all have a soulmate on the other side who directs us to play the part that was written for us. So, George, play. have you ever cheated death or been saved from death by the sound of things, the way you'd look at it? Uh, death has cheated me a, a few times. I, between 1975 and 1980, I did try and end my life three times, but, but I was ne- never, never allowed to to do it the last time I tried to drown myself in the Irish Sea but I I just didn't know how to drown (laughs) and uh, if I'd known how to drown I would have drowned but anyway that's all in the past and I, I, I find myself constantly now going to the past when I want to be looking to the future I've been trying to get a story in in some newspaper or magazine or something in which I can share my vision of the future because I do suppose that I've been shown the future. I, I don't know it, but I suppose it. And uh, and it, it's just ironic and, and hu- humorous. I got a name check in the in the Sunday Sun last Sunday. I thought it was going to be a big article, but it was only a small article about uh, a gambler called J- Joe Dweck, who is the father of a, a model girl called uh, Cairo Dweck. Have you ever heard of her? Or? No, Cairo Dweck. Dweck. How are you D- spelling that? D W E E K. I'm sure if you Googled it, 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 it would come up. I'm Googling but, as we speak. But her, her dad was a, a, a professional gambler, and we used to... Well, I, I didn't really know, know him well, but it was at the time that I, I was playing backgammon there with Lord Lucan and, and, and others... So the son, I thought we're going to do a big story, but but they did a little story, and I I just got a name check and and, and a quote in it. Ah, oh, because she's going out with some lad who was going out with um, I know some some other pop star. That's weird, isn't it? That that would, that would somehow lead to a resurgence of that story. Yes. Um, well, well, I I did get couple of years ago I got quite a lot of coverage because I told a story that had never been told before about uh, Lord Lucan and, and uh, um, did you ever see that story? Or? I don't know, was that about the kitten? Yeah. You've told me the story before. Katie, do you want to hear the Lord yeah. Lucan story? Go on, tell her the story. Well, I I was playing backgammon with with Lord Lucan the, the, the day before it all kicked off and I, I, I could see that his mind wasn't on the game and he, 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 he just disappeared for a toilet break and I asked one of his entourage what the matter with him was and uh, and his his friend told me that he, he'd gone to Howard's the day before and he, he'd bought a, 
a kitten for for his children because he was living uh, round the corner from his wife and children. And the next morning, the kitten came back through his letterbox with its throat cut. And uh, and I, I'm sure that's what tipped him in the direction that that he he went in. And uh, and yeah, a couple of years ago, I told the story, and it because it, it it wasn't the story that appeared ha- had me as being a, a, a friend of Lord Luke, but I wasn't a friend of Lord Luke, and I, I was a, an acquaintance, and and. Uh, we just played backgammon together, and and, and uh, anyway, it, it's uh, the biggest mystery for me with Lord Lucan was that he could speak fluent Yiddish, and I've got no idea where where, where he l- learned to speak fluent Yiddish, but uh, maybe one day I'll. I'll, I'll find out one of the many mysteries it's interesting isn't it you've just told us two stories there that have been picked up by the papers they're interested in you when you can talk about i don't know celebrities or in that case someone who is infamous yeah but, but all but i your, want to do is your vision of the future is something they don't want to touch no no the, 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 that that's uh, but it it, it uh it will emerge it is it, it, it's uh it, it, it has to emerge. I have to be here for a reason, <laughs> and uh, I, I suppose that 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 reason is to share that vision. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know if 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 if, if Katie can imagine it. I mean, I, I'm imagining a, a world that, that is leisure oriented and peaceful and harmonious and uh, no countries no poverty no taxes just just one bank with a, uh, an electronic currency called the wonder and everybody effectively works for the bank and the bank works effectively for everybody is the bank would be a, a, an intelligence program to play the part of a, a a loving god and to look after all of us and guarantee that that no, nobody on this earth can ever be poor can, can you imagine that well it almost sounds like the plot of a 1970 sci-fi dystopian thriller like it could go horribly wrong well yeah a bank being in place of god is uh, t- kind of terrifying no, a bank representing a loving God, a bank program to represent a loving God and to, I, I mean, you know, the, the Lord's Prayer, to give us each day our daily bread. Well, well how, how can a loving God give us each day our daily bread unless it's, you, you give that God a bank and, and give that God all, all the money well, in the world? It's not literally about bread, though, is it, that poet, that poem? That, sorry, I think it, that I think it could. Could be. Yeah. It's, it's about giving I, you the fundamentals of what you need, which could be emotional sucker. No, I I I I see bread as money. So, oh. so so a bank that pays everyone, say the equivalent of a hundred pounds a day. So God is a cockney. He talks about bread. Uh, well, cash, green. He's a yeah. hippie. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, God to me has to be a joker. This is uh, 
I, I'm sure we all share a great destiny at the end uh, at the end of this mystery play, and I, I'm I don't know I, I, I I'm into numbers and and uh, you, you know uh, life, the universe, and everything, and the number forty two B. Do you, you you know that story? Yeah. Yeah. Well. well to me, like next week, it will be exactly forty-two years since my mystical trip started, and and uh, and it lasted for four months. It ended on on January the seventh, nineteen seventy-seven. Yeah, but you're not putting that much store in Douglas Adams' A Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, are you? Because that, that that is just a story. Yeah, he, he said he meant it as a joke, but I think there is a book coming out that that, that sh- shows the significance of the number forty-two, and, and I, I think it's going to be quite an interesting book to 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 read, and and uh, or, or, or also in 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 the Bible. Uh, the prophet Isaiah chapter 42 the, there's a few references there to the people of the islands and I, I, I'm quite convinced that the people of the islands are, are the people of Britain and Ireland and uh, I, I'm quite sure that we're going to join together and, and change the world and, and uh, Can I posit something that you may be uncomfortable with? Yeah you were talking about how your purpose, ha- you have to have a purpose and it has to be this. Yeah. What if it isn't? <laughs> what else have you, what else is your life about? Uh, nothing. No, the, 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 this is, uh, this is the only reason I, I, I'm here. I mean, I, 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 I look forward to not being here, but, but uh, I, I have to be here for for a reason and a purpose. And I, I suppose my my purpose is to to share the vision that I've been shown. I mean, my my newspaper article would be headlined uh, "Vision or Mirage?" Question mark. But uh, if enough people can imagine. What, what I'm trying to share, then, then it will happen. And I if think. they can't? If they can't, then it won't happen. <laughs> but uh, it's all about imagination. Everything that exists exists because somebody imagined it or was made to imagine it. It's, it, it's uh, as I say, this, this is a mystery play and... Uh, Whatsoever our fate, I, I'm quite sure that our, our destiny is is great. Okay, listen, uh, we're gonna have to go, George. But I suggest maybe a plan B might be in order. Such as? Well, you know, something else in your life other than this this kind of this message. No, I think it's a brilliant message. Oh yeah, sure. But uh, how long have you been trying to get it across? Thirty-four years. Well, for, 42 years with the six years trying to write about what happened to me and, in and those you know four months. Every so, time I talk to you, you seem more and more disappointed that people aren't getting it. No, no, I, I'm in, increasingly, uh, increasingly happy because I'm sure, I'm sure it's, it's close now. It's, it's, uh, 
for me personally, I mean, I, I got a little rhyme where ever, ever closer to the end, going round the rainbow bend, my life sentence will soon be over. Looking forwards to being back in clover with my spirit's guide, my soulmate on the other side. Mm. It seems morbid. Yeah, it seems like morbid. you're not living now. Yeah. You're living for something that's not happened and may never happen. No, I do. I do suppose if there is such a thing as death, that we are we are experiencing death. It's death of the memory. We, we, we've all forgotten who we really are and where where home really is. And and uh, and it, it, it's yeah, it's it's part of our creator's humour. Okay. All right, George, nice to speak to you. All the best. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. I mean, every time I try, but there's no point. There's just no... There is no plan B. There's nothing wrong with longing for that uncanny perfection or seeking it, but to the exclusion of... Of life as it is now. Yeah, reality. It worries me a bit. Oh, three four 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 nine nine one thousand. if you want to give us a shout. Sheila's going to be up next, and then it could be you. The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle on Talk Radio. Oh, three four 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 nine nine one thousand. We are hopscotching all over the shop. So if we're not talking about something you want to discuss, and there's something burning within your soul that needs to be given to the light, then... Um, you could always just ring us instead. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. Sheila's gone again. What's going on with Sheila's phones? Bit slow on the phones tonight, but that's groovy. Maybe you're all, you know, out there, um, I don't know, um, making sedate whoopee. Sedate. With us in the background. I'm interested in in George's notion that, um, you know, how how to be happy, because and and the and his suggestion is that you have an all seeing bank an all-seeing financial deity a deity but it's loving it almost sounds like a star trek plot yeah but it, it it put me in mind of a very interesting man i had occasion to meet last year bruce perry who's the the television explorer he does the tribe doesn't he yeah tribe and he he's done a show called arctic and he travels all over the world and meets interesting people and and lives with them and and explores their culture tries tries to to leave a light footprint on the situation and uh, I interviewed him for the Sheffield Film Festival last year, and it was a packed house, and people were riveted. And he is a very charismatic person. And is he SAS or something? Yeah, he's uh, he's uh, I think he's ex Marines. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's totally hardcore, but he's kind of a reborn hippie. You know, he's 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 a seeker. And uh, he's kind of gone on all the rides and did, done the plant medicine and the shamanism. And he's uh, explored what life can be outside of our rigid Western culture. Mm-hmm. And he said that he feels that he's learned the secret of happiness. And it is uh, a society, I think they might be in New Guinea, uh, who strictly have no hierarchy whatsoever. So... The the old are no better than the young. Men aren't better than women. People with experience are no better than people without experience, which to me is a little bit like, wait a minute, maybe the guy who 
can catch the food. I like. I'd like to learn from him. Uh, yeah, him or her. I want them to be in charge. But um, no one's better than anybody else. I don't quite know how it, you could scale it up and and make it work for a large group of people. But certainly within the small community, he says they're absolutely happy. There's no aggression, and nobody wants anything from anybody else. But is it because they're not exposed to? I mean, we're exposed to a culture of. Um, you will be happier when you have this stuff like consumerism. Yeah. They're not, they're living outside that, I'm guessing. So it's, yeah. it's about what you need to survive. It's about survival and I, comfort. I think for sure. That, yeah. When it comes down to getting through the day with enough food in your belly and, you know, your essential needs being met, then you aren't craving things. But then I'm thinking about lately, there's been, um, if you've been watching, the science news there's drone footage released of previously unknown tribes yeah. in in the deforest deforested amazon uh roaming around and they don't want to you know scientists don't want to interfere with them but they want to know if they're there and if there's any way they can protect them but alongside of all these stories there's one about a man who's the sole survivor of his tribe Something, there were 20 people in his tribe and decades ago they were all killed. I think it was one, a thing, a case of poachers coming from the outside. And this is in the Amazon, I believe. And, and all of them were killed. He's the only survivor. And 20 years later, he is still living. And so there was a rare, fuzzy, blurry off in the distant shot of him with this. He had an axe and a spear. And no one's suspecting at this time that there is a reason he's the only one surviving and everyone else got killed. He had an axe and a spear. <laughs> no, he, no, they say it was poachers. It right. was, cause oftentimes that happens where people are coming in up to no good. Either they're, you, you know, something to do with drugs or, you know, bad guys. And, uh, they, yeah, so there's this one man and they've been trying to, the authorities trying to keep an eye on him and looking out for his welfare. And um, but the interesting thing about him is that he is not interested in having any care packages or interest or help from the outside world, because look what happened the last time outsiders came into his life. They killed all of his friends and family and loved ones. So so no, thank you. No, thank you. And any time that somebody from the outside has sort of tried to make a personal approach, um, he's thrown a spear at him. Like he's so not interested. He is hardcore and resilient and so at best, they'll leave little um, like care packages or, or packages of uh, equipment and things that he could use mm-hmm. to survive. So I think that's quite interesting. You know, not only is he surviving outside, you know, off the grid the way is that is natural for him, but he's so it must be so lonely. Well, yeah. I also would love to know what's going on in his mind. How does he occupy his mind? Yeah. I mean, does he talk, does he talk to himself? He or maybe must. he's in a state now where he doesn't need to speak to anyone. You know, is he mentally well? Yeah. Or, you know, has he gone to, you know, a different kind of survival plane? You know, when people just get so beaten down by life where they don't give a toss about anything anymore and they don't, you well, know, maybe, they just function. Yeah, maybe he's not even human in a like maybe he's sort of almost become one with the forest and the animals like maybe he's on a whole different zen plane with existence spiritual stuff hey we were talking before the show about um microdosing yeah talking about spiritual planes yes and how increasing numbers of people who are not from you know a native american um, tribal background are kind of going back to those tried and tested um well what would be an initiation a coming of age thing yeah or or um 
or a means of binding the tribe together through taking what is essentially poison right? right so i heard simon ansell this is like this time last year i think i was listening to um oh which podcast was it he was on a podcast talking about how he'd gone to do this kind of vision quest thing with the um ayahuasca and in no way are we suggesting you do this because it sounds hideous right but he has a really interesting view that um it's helped him with his depression right which sounds crazy until you realize there are loads of people who have the similar view that they're going through this thing right where you take this really powerful drug that's been used by tribal people and has killed people it's got to be said it's killed people quite recently Mm. um you have to be really closely looked after and even then it may not work um and you may lose your life you end up very very sick yeah um and that's par for the course and then you have these visions and apparently when you come out the other side of it you may find that you are um relieved of this some of the symptoms of your depression like frankly i'm very skeptical that one time experience like that can alleviate something that is a really really heavy disease but you have a friend or something that's done yeah. this Yeah, well, there's a couple things. So you mentioned microdosing, and that's actually different to the plant medicine, yeah. which is ayahuasca. Now, the microdosing is uh, something that's coming into the mainstream. In fact, I saw a story on, um, I think it was Scientific American, on it. And uh, a friend of mine is doing that. I've got two friends. I have one friend who does plant medicine, and I have one friend who's doing the microdosing. And the microdosing is taking tiny, tiny amounts of ketamine or LSD, um in conjunction with a therapist who's monitoring the trip and then doing a therapy session with you as you come out of the trip. And um, my friend who's doing the microdosing, it's also quasi-legal. It's being covered in the New York Times and it's being, um, programs are being overseen by extremely legitimate and qualified therapists. But um, it, the little iffy part is how do you, you have to actually go on the dark web and source the LSD and the ketamine yourself. And that's where it gets a little dicey. Um, my friend, he's doing it. He says that his delivery guy actually just chucks it, uh, out of the car, like onto his front yard and then drives away. So there's no, uh, you know, it's, it's all very, um, covert. It's all very covert. But um, he is having a wonderful time doing it, a very positive experience. He hasn't had any bad trips. All his trips involve um, kind of him and a cartoon of kittens, it, you know, in Paris. It, the colors are pastel. The women are beautiful. He's sort of melting and dancing and giggling and laughing and um having sex with pretty women and then he's sort of melting into their vaginas. <laughs> that was one trip. Um, so that's all very positive. And then the, uh, and then he says it actually has for him, he's somebody who had a very traumatic childhood and a terrible relationship with a mentally ill mother who was a borderline personality and he grew up in a nightmare. And in order to cope, he basically shut off all of his emotions. And he says that this microdosing protocol has helped him reconnect to his feelings. And he literally had to cut off from his feelings because if he wanted something, needed something, craved something, he was never going to get it and he was going to be a damaged and destroyed individual. So now he's able gradually to have feelings. He says now he's crying all the time because like anything. Because all this backed up stuff is coming out. Yeah, but it's like lovely things like, you know, seeing witnessing something tender or a moment, a a moment of tenderness will make him cry. But my my other friend who does the the plant medicine, that is more hardcore. She does go see shamans. Um, She has these, 
I think they're kind of sinister um, uh, marks up her leg, which are burn marks where she's had uh, toad, this weird toad venom or frog venom. Um, kind of burned into her skin. So it's, it's tattoos every time she has it done. And she has experiences where she feels like she's died. Oh, my God. And she will say, she'll be saying to the shaman and the other people in the circle she's doing this this trip with, I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dying. And then they'll say, you're not dying. And she really does feel like she dies. She becomes nothing. And then she's reborn. But it's really intense. It's certainly not pastel kittens and dancing and melting with pretty ladies. No, it sounds like some sort of ordeal. It sounds like an ordeal, and and yet she goes back for more. And she is somebody who struggles with depression and anxiety, and she's looking, and she is also lonely, and I think she's looking for a sensation and release from the grind. And she's actually a really hopeful, beautifully positive person who struggles with being down mm-hmm. and... um so she's on a quest. She really is on a quest. And, you know, I listen to her stories and I caution her. You know, I ask her a lot of questions like, what are you really getting out of it? And do you need to go back for more? And yeah, if I, it's so effective, how come you keep needing yeah. to go back? And I wonder about the, the shaman because they seem like she'll talk about how charismatic some of them are. And then I worry about a personality cult. Mm. Um, but she is really a seeker. I mean, for instance, she didn't go to your, a usual kind of university when it was time to go off to school, she went to the Transcendental Meditation College. Right, so she's a curious a, soul. Really. Yeah, she's a curious soul. So she, um, so she meditates and does all that kind of thing. And she'll go off. You know, she'll she'll keep looking for for people who are leaders and can open her mind. So Ooh, I, 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 which puts her in a really vulnerable position potentially. It, it, it does. It does. She's she's very self directed, but she will. She'll try anything once, that's for sure. Right. Let's have a quick word with Sheila, because Sheila's been coming and going all evening. I've been seeing you pop up and then disappear. You all right, Sheila? Yes, I'm here now. Good. (laughs) That's what counts. What did you want to tell us? That's the thing. I thought, I don't know actually what I want to say, other than I just want to talk to Kath tonight, because Ah. I've not managed to hear it all week. So I thought, want to phone up and have a little chat with you. Well, that's cool. Thanks very much. How's your week been? Yeah, it's been... Oh, no! What? Oh, sorry, I thought it cut off again. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I just think it's probably a a long while ago now from when I first called up, but there was that guy talking about the dating. Yes. Go on. So I just wanted to say I completely agree with that. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know what his name was, but that's exactly how I feel about that. Was it the American guy tonight, Matt? Yes. Yeah. So what's happened to you? I wish I could say I've done all this and done all this internet stuff. I only did it once. Um, I just, I would, I agree with him. Mm-hmm. Everything he said about, I would like to just meet somebody, have a chat with them, and not even worry about where it's going after that. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it really, that's really sort of hit home for me, and I didn't know that it's it's changed so much. Yeah, it feels like everyone wants to take control. But the whole point of relationships and love is that it, it, it's not to be controlled. You have to sort of go with it, don't you? I thought that was the point. Yeah, well, it it, it was. <laughs> I don't know if it is anymore. So um, I did sign up for a dating thing, I think about a year ago. Um, and it was on a radio 
show. Uh-huh. And I thought, oh, gosh, well, I'm going to get the people that listen to this. The same thing he was saying about how they're all linked. Yeah. So I signed up for one, thinking I'm going to get the sort of listeners that listen to this station. I'm not going to say the station. Right. Because, um, but it wasn't that at all. Go on. So, so I think they're all linked. So what you imagine, right, you imagine that there would be a sort of characteristic of people that listen to the radio station. So for, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm pulling actually. something out of, you know, top of my head, you know, talk sport. All right, they're all going to be kind of sport billy or... Okay, if I'm, am I allowed to say Yeah, go or? on, do it. Okay, so Planet Rock. So right. I thought they're going to be into... Long hair, leather. Yes. <laughs> so not quite uniform dating that you mentioned earlier, but... But a profile, I mean, yeah. Yeah, certain kind of people into certain music and... I was only on it for a week, and I'm not lovely by any standards, but I got inundated with people, and I thought, well, this is Planet Rock, well, and they, were, they weren't. Right. Well, I imagine Planet Rock is quite a male-oriented audience, so it was, it was probably, you know, you were, you were the honeypot in this. <laughs> they were the bees. Oh, mate, no. I don't think so. I think they're linked to all the other stations on the same network, to be honest. Why is it so hard to believe in your um, in your prowess as a as a, as bait? Anyway, I turned it off after four like four days. Really? Not for me. What were you get yeah. What were you getting then? People who weren't into this? Well, that weren't after no, what you were after. It's not about the music. Uh-huh. It, it just completely not what I'd asked for because you have to put in. I guess we're probably saying what that the the last caller said. Actually, I'm probably where he put in a shopping list but they were exactly the opposite of what i said i'd liked right so i think if you don't pay for it for a site you're not going to get anything do you know what we're hearing that over and over this week that the free sites are full of chances and people who frankly should be paying for a service <laughs> rather you know they want they want they, they want a one night stand they want a hook up they should go and pay a professional rather than preying on women who some some of whom are into it but a lot of whom are, are looking for something yeah. quite different yeah it seems like you have to pay to be able to sort of weed out the uh, chances from the people who are, are definitely into the idea of having a relationship i think it was good for me because I, I think it was a kind of rejection thing. I'm going to go on a dating site. Mm-hmm. And now I think, do you know what? I don't want to go on a dating site ever again. I'm completely happy as I am. So do you so find it easy to talk to, you know, do you... Because I, I was thinking about it, you know, the way I met my husband was appropriate to the age I was at the time. We got drunk and I fell in his mouth. You know, that's what, <laughs> that's what used to happen. I wouldn't be living that lifestyle anymore. How on earth do you find someone? And also, I don't particularly want to be meeting someone in a bar where everyone's drunk like we were then. It's, it would be completely different. It's different doing yeah, that when you're 18 from when you're doing it when you're 40. Are. I don't think people are that drunk anymore. That's yeah. the thing. I, I don't think the kids do it. I don't think they like No, alcohol. do you know, they're into fitness, aren't they? I'm saying this because um, it, I've never, I've only lived with people that I'm friends with and whatnot, but for whatever reason, I've had to take in a lodger. Yeah. And I've been looking for someone that's just right for me, and I found someone who moved in this week, and that's perfect, but he's so different from what I was at his age. And I don't think they drink anymore. No. I don't think they drink. I think they're into, like, health and fitness, like you said. Yeah. 
When I was a teenager, you wouldn't have caught me. You would not have caught me running down the side of the road in Lycra in my local area where people I know <laughs> live, right? Even now, I went through a phase last year of trying to run. That was terrible. I, I, I took myself off to the park and I had this fitness tracker app thing. It was that couch to 10K thing where you oh, walk. Oh, that's exactly what I was downloaded. Yeah, you walk for I a bit and then you run for I've a bit. Yet. Yeah, it's quite good. Although I'm just, I just don't like running, I've discovered. But I would go and I would take my contact lenses out right so i couldn't see what was going on in the hope that i wouldn't be distracted and but also i would see a fuzzy shape in the distance and i would duck off into the undergrowth so you look at my fitness tracker and it's like all of a sudden whoop off she goes because <laughs> i didn't want to be seen that is insane whereas you know i i drive around my town now and there are loads of girls and it's brilliant there are loads of girls running and not giving a toss you know they've got their headphones in and they just do it and they're wearing lycra and they're sweaty and they're doing the running face and it's brilliant more power to them but they're completely like you say they're a completely different proposal to what we were like yeah i don't think i can do it i'm like do you know what about a year ago i bought a like a running headband a running like what do you call it like a Waistband, all oh, of that stuff. Yeah, I've got all the gear. Sports not, bra. Never, never done it, and I don't feel I can. I even found Sorry. myself. I bought running knickers because I never thought of <laughs> of the undergarment questions for running but there are questions yeah because you just go ba-dum 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 i tried bi- well the, it was knickers i tried big pants no that didn't work for me i tried no pants really no that is not going to happen and then i tried these no in fact i didn't try the running pants i bought running pants but they've still i think they're still in the packet i just thought what oh, man, what makes running pants different from regular pants well i found Ooh. when i wore pants they ended up you know, I ended up with a hungry bum and yeah. <laughs> disappear. <laughs> Everything goes disappearing up my crack. So, but when I didn't wear them, that was super uncomfortable because there's nothing to stop your leggings from doing that. And then these running pants, apparently, are, are, I think they're a bit more clingy. They're a bit more like, do you remember gym knickers at school? But without yeah. the extremely gathered they're leg always band. Always grey, always grey. Oh, we had red with a stripe. Oh, God, we were so glamorous. Oh, it was awful. It was awful. I hated PE. I absolutely loathed it. And I think I'm never going to shake that. I don't understand this thing of running and feeling glowing and elated and having a surge of this pleasure hormone and all that stuff. I just feel like I'm glad it's over. Oh, I hate it. I feel like it's torture. I I can dance. I can can do exercise if it's disguised as something else. Oh, yeah. I love rollerblading. But just to run, I just feel like it's jarring my whole body. Could you rollerblade around your area, though? Yeah. Mm. all the time i, I mean feel I, like i would feel like a knob <laughs> i would i would that's, feel like a right that's knob. you being british yeah it is yeah i should forget yeah it's here's not really the, sort of stuff we did is yeah it? here's Very the point lady. sheila no one cares what we look like it's yeah. just all about us we're two in our own heads yeah i think you're right so i'm gonna get some rollerblades and i'm gonna lend you my running knickers <laughs> <laughs> Mine was still grey. Well, well, maybe if they'd made them more exciting. The whole thing was just hideous. <laughs> hey, Sheila, okay. go on. I was going to say, are you, would you be okay, Katie, to talk to my friend? Yeah. Katie? Hang on, can we take a, a quick break and then Katie can do yeah, the, do the honours? Is that all right? Fine. All right. Well, hold... he really likes her. Oh, here we go. This could be it, Katie. <laughs> Gird your loins. <laughs> Gird your loins. Straddle the, the uh, break and we'll be right back, Sheila, okay? Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to Talk Radio. The phone number to ring, 0344 499 1000. 
The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle. Speech Radio with a difference. Talk Radio. 0344 499 1000 is the number to ring. We've been talking to Sheila, but now Sheila wants to hand the phone over. Who have you got there, Sheila? Um, it's Rich. Oh, Rich. Hi, Rich. Well, okay, I'm going to step Hi. back now. <laughs> no, no, you don't need to step back. No, no. no. She, she's, oh. she has literally stepped away from the mic. It's just you and me, Rich. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that, 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 that's um, slightly disturbing, but there you have it. Just work with it. Feel the fear and do it anyway. No, I absolutely wouldn't. I loved you on the word. Oh, thank you. And I want to say, everyone who's ever been on the word said it was the most awful experience of their lives. And I want to know if that related to you, like if you hated it. Wait, so pe- you actually people, so you're saying that people who presented the show said it was the worst experience of their lives? Well, I think Mark Lamar certainly does. Oh, uh, yeah. Mark Lamar. He didn't have the right attitude, though. He was, <laughs> he, he was um, kind of professionally grumpy, so he didn't really enter into the spirit of it. I don't know if he'd say that now, though, because it really... Right, that, so, so it's a bit, bit of an affectation. Yeah, I think he it was that thing of, you know, that youthful punk rock attitude of just being perpetually angry and, uh, you know, a little bummed out at all times. No, it was a fantastic experience. Are you kidding? I mean... It, oh, I'm so pleased. Yeah, no, it was... That, that thing was like a Roman circus. It was a total free-for-all. <laughs> and add to which I got to travel all over the world and meet the most fascinating people. Like, one minute I'd be in... Um, you know, on a, a beach in Los Angeles, or I'd be I'd be grilling some sort of Scientologist, or meeting some gang members from the Bloods and the Crips, or I'd she be, met Barry White for God's sake. Yeah, Barry White, what a lovely man. Yeah, hanging out with Tammy Wynette, she couldn't have been nicer. Singing with Donna Summer, I mean, all of those are total dear diary moments. So yeah, it was a great experience. See, this is this is now reinforced my passion for life. <laughs> Because no, it has. Because I was, I was like concerned. I was kind of like, really, like someone I really admire, and like, I just to think that you had a rubbish time on that show, and you were never rubbish on the show. You were always brilliant. Thank you. And now you've told me it was an amazing, like you had an amazing experience, and I, I feel kind of fulfilled. Oh well, and also just to watch the show. I mean, I think you could just see the fun coming out. It was so anarchic, and you know, we'd sort of. Semi program what was going to happen, but anything could happen. And whether I'll, I'll, I'll always remember when the um, uh, L7 were on, that yeah. was one of my that was, that, that was one of the most amazing television moments ever. Yes, am I remembering this right? She flashed, didn't she? Yeah, so uh, I think it was the she, bass player she, who uh, she had pulled her trousers down, she yeah. had her jeans on, and she jumped on the drum kit. And the cam- the camera was like the steady cam was sort of swirling around the band, and it was coming to this big crashing end of the show and the end of the song. And the camera zoomed in on her guitar, which swung to one side, and there it was in all of its glory. Her muff, a growler. Yeah, is that what a growler is? <laughs> yeah. I wasn't really sure. It was a proper nineties growler. Oh yeah, it was. It was, it was a real nineties growler. Oh yeah, it was. It was, it, it was amazing. Yeah, it, it was amazing, and there it was, and you know, just a face full of it, filling that. T- television screen and that's what i call class i, I wrote a letter to david Nath- attenborough afterwards and you've got to explore this it's amazing <laughs> i was going to see email or text and i'm thinking hang on I'm, I'm talking about a long time ago there would have had to be a letter 
Yeah, I, yes, <laughs> it would have had to be a letter. But this is the thing. I was, I was, I was thinking about this the other, I was thinking about this the other day. Do you know when you used to go to a pub and you used to be with friends and you would have an argument about a random nonsense thing? Mm-hmm. And nowadays, it's solved instantly. Someone just goes onto Google and yeah. they just go, blah, 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 oh no, you're wrong. But yeah. these arguments would go on for like ever. Yeah, because you couldn't that. solve them. It was just everyone jackassing around. But it was fun. Exactly. I mean, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm not Mr. Ancient. I'm 45, so I'm slightly ancient, but not, like, stupidly ancient. But I, I do miss that. I miss that interaction with people where you could just go and interact with people socially. And also, and- here's the thing. That moment of going, oh, it doesn't really matter anyway, does it? And letting it go rather than someone having it- to win. Exactly. Exactly. That's it. No, that's 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 Kath, That's exactly the point. Is that you didn't? It didn't matter. It was. It was. It was the fun of the thing. It yeah. was the fun of the the banter. It was the fun of being in a social situation with people that you got on with and having a row and didn't make any difference. Yeah. Yeah. Those were the days. The glory days. Yeah. Um. Do you know what I? Do you know, I? I swore. When I was younger, that if I ever got to a time when I was talking about glory days, which I now am, <laughs> I, I, I'd, I'd be chucking myself off the nearest building. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, don't do that. It's Friday night. We've got everything to live for. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that, that's that's also true. <laughs> nice to speak to you. And you too. Take care. Look after Sheila. She's a gem. Oh, she is. She's beautiful. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you, Rich. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, three four 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 nine nine one thousand. Let's uh, talk to Anthony because he's new and he's been hanging on for ages. You're not nervous, are you, Anthony? Because we've just made it about ten times worse. I bet. No, no, I'm all right. Good. I'm all right. Good. Um, my my wife told me to call you because she's fed up with talking to me about this subject. Oh, go on then. She says so she's passed on the problem to us. How how sisterly. <laughs> She has. <laughs> Go on, Anthony. She phone them. She'll, they'll talk to you. So I did. Tell me. Are you ready? Yeah. Right, here we go. <clears throat> I'm 51, right? And uh, I've always been a very good, decent person. Now, I do have bipolar. Right. Real bipolar. Not, not the ones they talk about in the thing, but the real one. You know where people don't really get it you get a bit weird with them but they don't really understand got you so it's it's a bit weird however um my family don't appreciate anything i ever do for them ever now all i've ever done all my life is run around them and do lots of things like drive them around you know my son i've always given him money i've always done this i've always done that my mother i do a 22 mile drive all around her anyway I came to the conclusion I'd actually had enough. That happened a week ago. Right. And I decided, in my mind, they're all dead. Oh, God, that is that is excessive. Well, I mean, that's that's the only way I can think about it. Right. So it's, it's a bit of a problem because, you know, in, I sort of feel bad about it, but at the same time I feel free. Right, because you've, you, do you know what you've done? You've created well, boundaries... Right. And you've realized that actually making people happy, being a people pleaser. Yeah. Is ignoring your own feelings and your happiness is just as important. And it's something you can do something about. And uh, and if people aren't appreciating it, then sod them. Ah, I like that answer. That's a, that's a, that's, you know what? That's a blinding answer. It's Catherine, isn't it? Yeah. So it's allowed. Amazing. You're allowed to make boundaries. And actually, it's probably best that you do, because otherwise you are going to be eternally resentful and who wants to be that person 
you know, do you know what? For for you know, I mean, fifty one. That's you know, it's not young, but at the end of the day, I've still got a life to live. Yeah. And 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 I, you know what? I don't mind doing these things for everyone. I really don't. But when it comes to money for my son and etc i mean the, the the turning point without boring you too much the the turning point hang on a minute was, we need to take some news and i really want to hear oh, the turning point can you hang on oh, and we'll discuss this yeah, further all right won't oh, be a okay. sec we'll, be right, we'll right, be right back right. cliffhanger cliffhanger right. hold on don't go anywhere oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand we've got anthony then we're going to speak to barry then we're going to speak to dion and then we could be speaking to you so what are you waiting for give us a shout this is talk radio the Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle on Talk Radio. I've been shown something very pleasant, of which more soon. But we were talking to Anthony about um, something he's going through at the moment. Here he is. Hey, Anthony, are you still there? I am. And I'm hoping, actually, on line two, this yeah. is the Annie. Annie, is that Annie, Annie? It is, yeah. <gasps> Brilliant. Have you phoned up for what I think you phoned up for? Well, just generally, but I'm I'm here to help if I can. Can you help me out with Anthony? Uh, because I'm, I mean, I'm drawing conclusions of my own and I may be doing it wrong, but you are someone who knows your onions. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, sort of, yeah. Right, Annie's a psychologist, you see, Anthony. Oh, I like that. Right, so we've got professional on the case. This is all going to get sorted out. This is no problem. So you were oh, talking... no pressure. <laughs> so you were talking about the fact that, you know, for years you've been the one that people rely on and you've been what sounds like a bit of a people pleaser, Anthony. Well, you know, I mean, uh, just to give you just just another minute of thingy, so she can, you know, so um, you know, um, the psychologist. Sorry, I've forgotten her Annie. name. What was Annie? Uh, yeah. So Annie can make up her mind. Um, basically, I'm I'm someone that would do anything for anyone. That's the kind of person I am, and you know, I don't expect thanks from from anyone particularly, but I like doing things for people. It gives me pleasure. Um, now. Um, um, because I suffer with bipolar, I sometimes come across in the wrong way or say the wrong things or whatever, but everyone knows I'm a decent, kind person. Now, with um, my son, for instance, um, I had him with, you know, it was just a one-off bling, and, um, you know, I stuck by him and uh, did everything right. You know, um, we never stayed together, but I stuck by him all the way through, and now it's just money, 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 money. And that's all really he cares about, full stop. And how old is he? Um, he's 22 now. Okay. <laughs> I think it does get that way with uh, growing up kids. It does, but he's 22 now. And uh, to be honest with you, you know, I, I've, I can't keep, keep, you know, it's just, I'm just ruining. He's been ruined by everyone and right. I'm carrying on. So um, what's his situation yeah, so, then? Is he still living at home and being no, paid no, for? No, the situation is that he lives um, miles away now in Stratford-upon-Avon and he's having problems himself with mm. his, uh, you know. But the situation, the, the thing that clicked me into gear was um, I wrote him a thing for about, I don't know, a text for about 10 minutes. And I said, look, I've done all this for you and, you know, all I ask you for is a little respect because he says horrible things to me. And, you know, calls me names and, you know, just basically is not very nice to me for no reason whatsoever. And I mean that mm. um, just because he's resentful for whatever has happened in his life. He's resentful for it. And, I'd, and I stopped giving him money. So he's upset. Right. So anyway, at the end of my text for 10 minutes, my 10 minute text, do you know what he wrote, wrote down? Oh, God. You're not the mafia. Oh, 
Oh. <coughs> yeah. All I did was ask him for a bit of respect. Oh, right. So he thinks you're for... being like the godfather. Well, I, I don't know what he thinks, but I'm his father, yeah. you know, and I've stuck by him all this he's been, time. He's been a sarky little git, by the sounds of things. He is being a sarky... I mean, I don't know whether he's been a sarky little git or he's, whether he's been extraordinarily rude. Mm, bit of both. I mean, I'm his father, yeah. for God's sake, you yeah. know. Anyway, uh, so that was one. And, and, and the other one was... was, was um, he brought my grandson down to see my mother and no one told me. No one told me that it was coming down. So my mother, who I do everything for, shopping, I take her here when it's too hot in the house, I run her around, I take her to this and that, and whatever she needs to go to the doctor, she calls herself an independent woman still um, because I'm basically her independence. Right. Um, So, so, you know, the point is that she never told me that, 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 that... that my grandson was coming down. Right. So it sounds like you're disappoint. You're disappointed and upset that you're not getting the consideration that you give to other people so often that they now take it for granted. It's worse than that. I'm. I've. I've had it. I mean, you know, I feel like they're dead to me now because, because, I'm 51 now. I've been putting up with this from my mother. Yeah. Since she got divorced from my dad, 29 years. I've been putting up with this. My son. For well, he started going horrible at twelve, so for twelve years. So now I've had enough. And how's it working so for you? Do, you? do you feel okay about it, or is it troubling you? Me? Um, well, I mean, I have to think of them as dead because of this bipolar thing. The only thing I can do is think of them as dead. My wife's not not too keen on me thinking of them like that. No, it sounds dramatic. It does, it, but I can't, you see, if I think of them as alive, then I'll just have to carry on doing what I'm doing. Right, and that's if not, I think that, and that's so not sustainable. So what I've told you for is, is how can I solve this problem without thinking they're dead? Here we go. That's the thing. I was thinking you, what, what you want is for them to know that you have boundaries and to respect them without, you having, without you having to say, right, then it's all or nothing. Annie. I've told them, can I just say one yeah, more on. thing? I've yep. told them both of them, um, probably around 200 times. Okay. My mother, please say thank you. My son, please respect me. Right. right. So I'm you... ready. Okay, yeah. All right, I get it. So you've you've given them enough warning. They've obviously I been have... ignoring it all this time, thinking yes. you wouldn't do anything about it. Now it, now yes. you're showing them you mean business. Mm-hmm. Yes. Annie, what... That was gonna, yeah, that was going to be my first question. Have you ever felt the ability to, to tell them how you feel about this and, and tell them how it's affecting you? But if, if you're saying that you've, you've made that point a number of times and it's never been listened to, there's been a little bit of an element of... It's the same thing when, when kids are small and if you tell them no a thousand times and they're a follow through on the threat, they stop hearing the no because they know it's going to be a yes eventually. And that, that kind of thing's built up. So you've created a level of expectation that they're now, they're expecting you're going to keep giving and giving and giving. And I can hear the frustration in your voice. I can hear the frustration and mm. the anger and, and those kinds of things. And you feel like you've been pushed over the edge now. I have been so pushed it, over the edge. Yeah. So I, I'm kind of getting the impression that it's sort of the last time when you, you're thinking in your head, this is the last time I'm going to tell you I want to see some respect. Mm. They're not hearing it because they've possibly heard variations of, that from you a number of times and you haven't followed through on it so now it's probably a shock that you're following through on it well um, i don't know whether they especially can, from your son, that's, 
that's what I'm hearing from the response that you got from your son is, is that you finally said no. And his first reaction has been quite a, a childish reaction. He yeah. doesn't seem to have developed an adult relationship with you. No, He's still right. responding no. to you like a sulky teenager. So when you've said, when you've kind of... Uh, drawn that line and said I'm, I'm expecting some respect from you he's responded like that yeah. sulky 12 year old so he's going to yeah. need some time to to calm down and have a think about it he's going to let it need to let it settle because he's not expecting this from you well i don't know because um he uh, you know i mean he he phones me up and says you know whenever he's in deep trouble which is many many times that's when I get mm. a phone call, like most parents, I'm sure. But he gets himself in deep, deep trouble. And I have to bail him out every time, you see. But here's the thing. Every time. So yeah. he's not every learning time. that when it push comes to... Sh he's learning when push comes to shove, you'll always save him from himself. So he's not having to take responsibility for his actions because you bail him out every time. So he's not learning the lesson he needs to learn, which is there is a consequence and it ain't going to be pretty. Mm. Well, but this is this is the consequence. I think oh. the consequence is I, I. You see, I have to lose my grandson at the same time. Oh. However, 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 that's the price that I have to that I've got to pay for having a better peace in my life. Well, I also think it will it will do him good in the long run to realise that he's the adult now and that this is this is this is a, caused by his actions too. Right, and you can't keep saving I hope him. So. Yeah, because he will keep. So. Really you said do. you have to save him every time. If it was just the once, thanks, thank God for helping me out, Dad. That's the end of that. It <laughs> yeah. would have worked. It's not working. You're actually helping him to carry on with the bad behaviour. Mm. Do you know what's it's, worse? He never says. Become enabling. Yeah. He, yeah he, he's going to keep getting into trouble because you're going to keep bailing him out. The worst thing is that when, uh, like the last time it happened, um, I said no. Um, my wife, bless her decided yes oh. and uh, we never even got <laughs> yeah. we never even got a thank you or a nothing no, for it because he's come to expect mm. it nothing for it so and, um, yeah one of, the things that's, that's, one of the things that's concerning me as well anthony is, is how you're processing it because you, you're saying you've cut them off and they're dead to you and it's done but it clearly yeah. isn't because you're having this conversation with your wife you're upset about it you're talking to other people about it. They're not dead to you, are they? Because you're still, you're still upset about well, it. You're still concerned about it. And it's still bothering you. So they are no, still I'm, part of your life. To be honest, I feel guilty that I feel guilty about. You know, I'm not taking up that. Well, I am taking up the whole program, but I want to. I'm right, just saying, I, 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 I feel guilty about saying that they're dead. Mm. Because it's a terrible, horrible well, thing to say. However, because there's a lot of people that would love their parents to be alive. Uh, but, you know, I feel bad about saying and thinking that. But I feel like, for me, it's the only way to get rid of them. Right. Here's the Peace. thing. So you've given up on the idea that they will understand what you've been trying to tell them all this time. Yeah, I've given it up. I've given up. I don't think they'll ever care or understand. You don't think that if you let things settle for maybe a month and then mm. try and have a reasonable conversation and say, this is the situation, I am deadly no. serious. No, they won't. No, they won't. They won't. They won't. They won't. The, the only thing that will happen is my mother will need me for some reason, my son will need me for some reason, and that's it. Because that's what all that ever happens. Mm. They never phone me up and ask me how I am. They never say thank you. 
they never do any of that. So it is actually, as far as I'm concerned, they are actually, you know, dead. Because that's because I've had it now. I'm at my wits. But I just felt guilty. You understand? I don't think there's any way back. I just wanted to know, well, really, how you, how, how, you know, what, you know. I mean, it's, you know, it's not. It's not even a question of whether it's the right thing to do. It's, it's not the right thing to do to consider people dead when they're not dead. But mm. it's the only way of freedom for me. Well, here's here's maybe a, a way. Maybe it's a matter of reframing it rather than saying they are dead. Say the relationship just not worked. Oh, I like that, yeah. Mm. So that's that. Because it sounds a lot less them, violent. But what do you think, Annie? <laughs> I'm just saying, if, if we take everybody else out of the conversation, take all the workers out of the conversation for a second and just focus on, uh, Anthony, how it's impacting on you. And yeah. the decision that you've made is upsetting you. So I think yeah. thinking about it differently, exactly as Cass just said, thinking about it differently is going to help you. Because if you're still at this point feeling guilt, that guilt is never yeah. going to go away. And, and the guilt right. is going to eat at you because you're a nice person. You've demonstrated that in what you've been doing. You're a nice, caring person. So gu- guilt is going to eat away at you. So you need to mm. rethink about what's going on. And the, I think the permanence of it is probably part of what's stressing you out about it. So if you get, because you, you haven't followed through on the threats before, and we all do mm. that kind of stuff. We all say these kinds of things and we know mm. we mean it eventually, but nobody else is going to understand that because they haven't, had a chance to learn that but if you uh, give it a while because at some point your son will need you and your mum uh, will need you but it will be a case of you'll be in a position to build up those boundaries and have that conversation along the lines of if you need me i will help you but this has to be a two-way relationship because well if you're not I, getting I, your emotional needs met the relationship uh, isn't working for you I really appreciate that. I really appreciate you saying that. But, you know, I've gone through that process. You see, that's the problem. I've already done all that. I've been there, seen it, done it. And I and I have warned them so many times, it's ridiculous. So I really just want to sort of... I think what you said before was, was correct. Um, I'm not sure who actually said it about the um, relationship has now ended. Maybe that's just it, you know, and just cut them off and, and that's it. But it is my mother and it's my grandson and it's my son... But sometimes I think that you have to, after all this time, think about yourself. Because I think I'll probably end up having a heart attack from it all, you know, from these people. All they ever do is sponge and, and be horrible to me, you know. What's the point of that? Yeah. How can you live like that? So the, the answer is, um, what that you, that, you think? That you, that you frame it as the relationship doesn't work. It's, I'm, yes. I'm not helping them. And it's not helping yeah. me, so we, you know, we called so it. That. We called it a day. Fair enough. I think that's amazing advice, and I really appreciate it. <laughs> well, you know, I'm not. We're only hearing your side of the story, but from what you yeah, sa- yeah. you sound happier about it, you know. And if it oh, was, I am. if it was grinding oh, you down, that's no good, is it? Oh no, I'm, I'm, I feel elated, not just happy. I, I'm, I'm, I'm suffering from the point of, you know, what I'm never going to see them again. Um. But I'm elated from the fact that I'm never going to have to run around and never be appreciated again. So I can now concentrate on my wife, which I concentrate on anyway, and um, just get on with my brilliant life. I mean, I've got an amazing life. You know, that's, that's the problem. I actually live in an amazing world, and I'm very blessed. So to have all this around me driving me cuckoo, 
is no good, is it? And talk to her about this, because your wife knows you better than anyone does, and we're just hearing, yeah. you know, what's happened in the last 20 minutes, and, and it's, yeah. it's the condensation of years of stuff, and your wife's seen it all. So talk to her, because she's the ultimate expert on you. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I yeah. just wanted to check, because you did say that you you do sort of live with bipolar. This isn't yeah. the result of feeling particularly manic or high at the moment, no, is it? No, no, no. No, no, no. It's just, no, it's definitely not. It's just, I mean, you know, I think, you know, my, my bipolar is more a um, real thing. You know, you can see through people, you know, all the salesmen and all the bad people in the world. You can actually see that in people, and that's what my illness is, right. being able to see the bad and not be able to, you know, I can see the good in people, but unfortunately there aren't that many good people around, and that's the truth. I know it's a horrible thing to say, but it's true. <laughs> they're all after money, and they're all after terrible things, you know. Well, and been... I know that sounds a bit paranoid. Well, that's but been your experience. Well, that has been my experience. Yeah. And, you know, as I say, I, I, I live a very blessed life, you know. And um, my experience is that everyone's trying to get their hands in your pocket. <laughs> what a shame. Well, listen, it's we, awful, isn't it? we wish you good luck. And, and, and really... Thank you so much for listening to me. Well, I don't know why you bother, but there you go. I well, appreciate it. We find it very interesting. Thanks for ringing us, Anthony. Oh, I oh, can I have one, one more final piece of advice, yeah. if that's go okay? Go on, Annie, quick, yeah. Even with a negative relationship, when it ends, there's still going to be an element of grief and you're still going to go through that process. So when you're going through all of the kind of, all the anger and the frustration and denial and everything else, that is a natural process. So don't try and dwell on the negativity and those kinds of things. Everybody goes through that. It's going to be, it's going to be like a a process of bereavement and it works exactly the same way. So expect to go through all those processes and expect it to take time. It's not going to, feel perfect straight away and you're going to have Mm. days when you feel bad and you feel upset about it and it's just something Mm. that you need to work through like with any other bereavement so expect that be ready for it and when it comes be open with your wife about it and explain to her Mm. what's happening and then if hopefully if you both understand that that's what's happening and what you're going through you'll be in a better Mm. better position to deal with it that is amazing advice and i really really appreciate it thank you so much You're very welcome. Have a good night, Anthony. Thanks for ringing us. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. And thank you, Annie. No problem. You always get more than you bargained for when you ring up this show, don't you? Well, that's just how it works, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) It's not like any other radio show, is it? Well, no. And there's probably a reason for that. But um, I don't know. When people talk to me about these sort of relationship things, I always try and think of a way. I think it's a real shame when actually what you're talking about is, is how to comfortably break up. You know, I always try to look for a moment you can salvage but i think i don't know maybe in some cases it's healthier to let it go yeah sometimes you can i mean we've all experienced those toxic relationships and and sometimes we have to decide for ourselves when they're toxic enough to leave them behind yeah but he did because when, we, when we're talking about a mother and a son like that it is going to feel more of a wrench and you do the temptation is to try and rescue that relationship but if anthony's decided it's gone it's um that's what he's decided yeah it's a tough decision for him to make. Annie, you're very wise. I'm glad you're out there. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks for ringing. Okay. Take care of yourself. Night night. And you. Bye bye. Bye. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. If you want to give us a ring, as you can see, there is nothing off the table. So if you want to bring something, better do it now. The late night alternative with Catherine Boyle. Speech radio with a difference. Talk radio. Hey Barry. Hi, Catherine. Lovely to talk to you. And you? What have you got for us? 
Uh, just to thank yourself and, uh, and and Katie, it's been a really nice few evenings, and it's been very, very caller-friendly. I've really thoroughly enjoyed it. It's been a nice vibe. Hey, thanks oh, very much. Thank That's you. very kind of you to say. Lovely. Um, well, I, I was going to actually um, compliment you on giving some time to Rainbow George. I love Rainbow George. I love his ideas, and I love his is, you know, fought for, a, for a, a better future for all of us. Now, I'm just into 23 minutes of being 75. So Congratulations. Yay, Thank happy birthday. Much. That's really kind of you both. Yeah, and uh, whilst I was going to sort of go into the work world and 50 years that I'd done and, you know, all the rivals and divisions and all the politics you find with it, and, and how much better it's been for me since I'm sort of away from it, my level of contentment. So I was going to really talk about that, but I listened with a lot of interest to Anthony and um, the subject of bipolar. Yeah. I mean, I think I really came across, and, and incidentally, I thought you, you gave some good advice there, but I came across it about probably a couple of years ago. Um, like Anthony, I'm, I'm pretty blessed. I'm, I'm an healthy, healthy person, you know, and I've got good family life and all the rest of it, but come across this about two years ago and uh, I was quite compatible with this uh, gentleman and uh, you know we sort of share like him for the same music and it's you know the sort of same generation and all the rest he's 70 so five years behind me and it cut a long story short I started to he showed an interest in wanting to sort of get out of and about a little bit and sort of get away from everything and do some chats. So um, we've now got up to 10-mile uh, walks. I mean, I'm a runner, but, so, but for me it's a nice um, Wednesday just to spend some time with him. And I've learned a lot about, you know, the condition, and he'd been sectioned many times. And the, the point I would like to make, and I'm, I'm sure I'm not so directly involved as Anthony, but, you know, I found that it's been really good for my understanding and compassion and tolerance. Um, and, you know, you know, I feel I'm a little bit better person as a result of that. Well, he's taught you something. Very much so, very much so. And, and you know, it's, the thing is, it is... His condition is controlled, as I say, he's been sectioned many times. But unfortunately, a side effect is shaking on some occasions. It's, it's, it could be quite bad, but, mm. you know, I've sort of got used to it, so it's not a problem for me. So, the, the, you know, the chat goes on while we're walking, and it's nice walking, it's country, and then we do about four or five miles of beach, living down here in Western Supermare. There's some nice country and beach walks. Gosh. I bet he thinks he's very blessed to have you in his life. It sounds like you've got a nice companionship relationship there. Uh, yeah, and, and, you know, we're a couple of old uh, old gits, and uh, and at the same time, you know, uh, as I say, we can talk about a lot of things. He's into a bit of meditation. He likes the same as myself, and uh, he, he's he's got a good lifestyle. He's, again, vegetarian like myself. So, you know, we're, we're very, very compatible, but, yeah, he's become a very, very good friend, and, uh, you know, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot about things, and the point yeah. I was going to make get into this age the learning process never stops catherine it really doesn't well, never stop for some people it stops at about <laughs> 22 and you can hear it quite a lot on this show yes the old and i sometimes wonder i thought how have you got to that age and not learn anything people sometimes stop but you're the sort of person i can tell who is always interested in you know broadening your horizons yeah i mean staying curious that's the key yeah i think so and and, and you know and just 
listening to you both talk about the running and, and you know I sympathize with you because I get a lot of pleasure from from running I think sometimes people make a big decision they've got to do it and it's got to be this gear and that gear and all the rest and yeah. I noted from what you said that you bought all the stuff that's me that's me all over yeah. all the but gear no idea it, it, sometimes it's just a question of just you know not making a big thing about it getting out somewhere a little bit quiet walk a little bit maybe jog a little bit and just develop an interest for some sort of exercise because we all know that the endorphins and all the rest that you get from it i know it's easier said than done i've been doing it for a long time but you know it's i think physical exercise and keeping it going as you get into your older years it's you've you've got the benefit of that now you know um because the last thing i want is i don't want to be like sort of in situations where i'm in sort of old people's homes and i people are feeling sorry for me you know i always say to to, to my family i'd rather i'd rather go out on a run and spend all those years you know i've been pumped up with antidepressants and yeah. all the rest of it but uh yeah so you know, it's it it really is it really is something that um, this my friendship. You know, is is has really developed with him. It's made me very appreciative of you know the problems uh, that that people get with this condition and the amount of times and his experiences. Uh, you know, when he's been sectioned and and yet he's such a lovely guy. You know, and it just makes you realise. Well, I'm glad you've given us a ring, Barry. You're a nice fella. Thank you very much, Catherine. It's lovely to talk. All the best to yourself and Katie, and I do genuinely mean that. It's been a really nice few evenings. It's been really, really nice to to listen. I do listen every evening. I don't call very often now, but um, I felt I'd just like to make that call tonight. Well, I'm glad you did. Have a good weekend, Barry. Yeah, bless you both. Bye, bye. Bye. Let's have a word with Nigel. I've been thinking about you, Nigel. How are you doing? Hi, hi, Catherine and um, Katie. All right. Hi. Uh, Hi there. Hi. I felt I should call in again because I felt a bit a bit depressed earlier. Oh. So I've been listening to the show. You get some strange calls, don't you? We do, thank goodness. Thank goodness. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, talking about the exercise, that, that's why I do it, to make me sort of not feel so quite de- depressed. You know, well, it's good for you, isn't it? Yeah, well, it is. I, I'm, I'm very impressed by your... Um, I mean, how old are you, Nigel? Um, 61 now. And you go out on your bike every day, don't 30 you? 30 miles today. Boom, there to you the go. Incredible. I went to see if I could see Mum, but they, I've got to go back Tuesday to see her before the last time before she's buried. You know, okay. just a glimpse. Yeah. At, at, it might be frightening, but I'd, I wasn't scared today. Okay, I faced up to that. I wanted to see her for the last time. You know. Yeah. It, it, it's strange, it, isn't it, that when you're in it, things that before would have seemed frightening mm, or unusual become yeah, very it normal. Seem, it doesn't seem frightening to me because I know she's at peace now. Yeah. yeah. And just as to see her one more time. I've, I've booked it at 2 o'clock on Tuesday. I've got to go next Tuesday to, to see her for the last time. So okay. it, it, it's Tunbridge Wells, so it's about it's 15 miles each way, and it's quite a hard bike ride, but it's, it's worth it anyway. So. Oh. Have you been to Tunbridge Wells, Catherine? I don't think I ever have. I've heard it's a nice place. It's always used got, as an yeah. example of a lovely sort of English, very British sort of place, isn't it's it? It's quite a posh place, but really. But everything's expensive there. Yeah. That's why I've never been, Nigel. Um... It, it's a well-known place. It's Royal Tunbridge Wells, as you know, nice. Royal. I see. Mm. So I was looking through my, my cupboards to see if I could find the photo of my mum's uncle, who was um, a mounted policeman for the, uh, the, the Queen Mother in 1929. 
Mm. And um, he was a, he was a bodyguard, and it, it was my mum's uncle, and that's fantastic, isn't it? My mum's uncle was a bodyguard with the Queen Mother. Wonderful! I just love <laughs> old pictures like he, that. He, yeah, I can't find the photo at the moment, but he, he, he was a um, yeah a, a Canadian uh, in Can no in Canada it was, mm-hmm. and uh, he, he followed. He was a bodyguard for the Queen Mother, as I said, and um, yeah, he had to stay by her side. And uh, so I've got this, I'm trying to find this photo, but I can't find it at the moment. See, I used to ask Mum where things were, and because she's not here, I don't know where anything is. It's, it's, it's annoying, isn't it? Do you find, like, you're looking for things a lot at the moment? I'm looking for more things now she's not here yeah. than that I, I would have done before. Yeah. Uh, oh, yes, well, well, I wanted to tell when I was looking for that photo, <laughs> it's literally my... I found the original vinyl of... Um, uh, um, oh, um, Kylie Minogue's especially for you. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something really. I thought you were going to say something really classic for a minute. But yeah, <laughs> it's kind of, it, yeah, unearthing some sort of pop music classic. Oh, Kylie Minogue. <laughs> Kylie Minogue and Jason Donovan's especially for you, and it's the it's got a lovely cover, bright yeah. cover of picture of them both. I remember it well. It was the song I was yeah. often rejected to at discos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's a vinyl. Is that worth any money if it's the original? No, it'd be worth about 50p, probably, at oh, most. But it's worth me keeping it. Uh, I didn't even know I had it, and... So that was a. F- I didn't know. I didn't know I had it. You see, so that was. Strange, it's like a. It? It's a treasure trove where you're living. Yeah. I mean, that's the fun of the mystery. You're going to be mm. turning up things every day that are going to yeah. be bringing a surprise I, I, into your life. I wanted to tell, ask you if. Um, um, uh, did you have, have you heard of um, Danny Williams, the singer, uh, Katie? You might have heard of Danny Williams. That one quite. He, I think he died a few years ago. Not Andy Williams. No, no, no Danny Williams. He was a um, um, a dark, a dark. Dark, well, black man actually, a black man. I don't know if I could say. Danny that. Williams you can, you can, you was can he? Say that, Nigel. Was he a soul no. singer? Uh, uh, well, he was on top of the pops uh, many years, uh, about thirty years ago. Was he British? Uh, no, no, he's American. American, um, and so, but I played. Oh, this is years ago. I've just found it. it what, he, yeah. Let's see. Uh, Moon River. Oh, yeah. Moon River. Okay. Got Moon River on there. On there. On yeah. There. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I was. Oh, one he's British. Album. He's British. It turns out. It says on oh. Wikipedia, South African born. Mm-hmm. I, I played the drums with him when I was fifteen. Believe it or not. No and kidding. I, and I had a, a good agent to get me work. You know, this Jeanette Charles, her name was, and um, uh, I got this gig. For, for three concerts I did in Margate with him. Uh, are you still there? Yeah, yeah, yeah we're yeah. wrapped. I bet you're astounded, aren't you? No. Uh, I did three concerts at Birchington, that's near, just outside of Margate, in um, a theatre that was turned into a nightclub, and it was called... Um, what was it called? Nightclub called? Well, it doesn't, you wouldn't know of it, and it, you so, wouldn't know it anyway. So Danny Williams apparently was known as Britain's Johnny Mathis. Yeah, yes. And I thought he was American, that's a new thing. Yeah. Um... So and he was also on top of the pops a lot. I saw a lot of um, I saw the videos on the YouTube of him on top of the pops, mm. and so so I was I was lucky to get some gigs with him. I had to read him. I was in the orchestra. I played with an, uh, um, a thirty-piece orchestra. It was a marvelous experience, and I, I was given the music to read as well, mm-hmm. which I could already read quite quite well from having lessons when I was younger. 
and uh, I, I, they were recording the album. I, I might be on the... No, no, I am on the album, Moon River, one of them. You did several Moon Rivers. Well, I hope you but, turn that up instead of more yeah. Kylie records when you're um, going through your uh, house. Yes, no, that got lost in the flooding. When my house was flooded, I lost that. He signed um, the album I'm on. He signed. Oh. I lost it in the floods. Yeah. Oh, what a shame. But, but I, I, I played for that... Mo- I played Moon River and the other few pop song, pop ribbons he did with the other tunes. Hmm. And um, they were recording with a big lorry outside. A big cable was going right the way through the building, recording the album, as we- and it was on the radio as well. Nigel, is yeah. what you're saying in a roundabout way that you want us to play that song? Uh, Moon River, that'd be lovely, wouldn't it? I could, I could sing along to it. <laughs> Can we find it, please? Will I- uh, are you gonna, and you're going to sing along to it? Well, no, no, not really. I think I'll listen to it this time. Really? Well, it's rather late and my throat's a bit sore. But no, I'll do you a song next week anyway, uh, Catherine. Promises, promises, Nigel. Is is Ian back next week? He is. He's back on Monday. Okay, I'll I'll call him Monday. Well, I'll listen to this song, Moon River. He had such a lovely voice, didn't he? I don't know. We're going to find out. (laughs) We'll find out, Nigel. Have we got it? Have we got it, guys? Hang on, they're going to give me the sign when they've they've found it. Anyway, what's your plan tomorrow? What are you doing tomorrow? Um, oh... I never know to the next day, but I, I might go singing in Tunbridge Wells with me karaoke, try and do a gig uh, um, on the bandstand, you know. That's um, a good idea. Yeah, if it's, if it's not raining, because it was raining a bit today. Yeah, it was. It was flipping awful when I drove in. Oh, uh, very quickly. Go on. In, in, um, uh, where I've got to go within seven days is at Rye. They've got the jazz festival. If I go along to Rye... Yeah. Um, I might, maybe I could uh, do a song on stage, get on the stage and sing a song if I, uh, in because they've got famous people there as well. Well, maybe not on the stage, but you can certainly, yeah. I'm sure it'd be encouraged for you to sing where, yeah. you know, wherever you want. And your yeah. style of shooby dooby doo is going to go down there like a they've storm. Got, yeah, anyone is welcome there. And, and, I mean, I might get a chance to sing on stage if um, someone recognises me from the radio or something. You just don't know, do you? Stranger yeah. things have happened, Nigel. Yeah. Hey, we found your song. Okay. Should we have a listen? Uh, I'd love to listen to it. Okay. Take care of yourself, Nigel. Bye bye. Bye Moon River, wider than a mile. I'm crossing you in style someday. the unconventional, the unpredictable, and the completely unorthodox. The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle on Talk Radio. So I don't know where you lot have all come from because for the first hour we were wading through treacle and now I've got so many phone calls I'm not going to bother giving out the number. So deal with it, okay? Here's Dion. Hey, Dion. 
Good evening, ladies. Uh, thank you Hello. so much for hanging on, because you have been there for ages, and I appreciate it. That is only about 40 of minutes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what have you got for us, Dion? Um, I don't know. I listen to that Moon River. I know a re- good reggae version of that. Oh, come on. I remember who it is. Uh, I like that. I like that version. It was I. beautiful, wasn't it? I was listening to a good record earlier today, uh, Curtis Steiger's new one. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's done uh, Man in the Mirror, Michael Jackson. Oh, God, why? Well, it's a whole, isn't it a, a, a whole Michael Jackson compilation, different artists doing mm, it? No, thanks. I, I can't listen to Michael yeah, Jackson songs anymore. It's just Curtis Steiger's. It would have been Michael Jackson's 60th or something, and he'd done that man in the mirror it's just him on the piano and saxophone mm. and it's really laid back very slow it's just nice good version anyway well i'll never listen to it i can't listen to michael jackson songs anymore why are you so hard on michael jackson i just can't i just can't i can't i can't i can't disassociate from all that stuff oh, what all the creepiness yeah okay it spoils anyway, it for me and i used to really like him i, I was big into michael jackson off the wall I'm not a Michael Jackson fan. I just like that Curtis Steiger's version. Well, yeah, we noticed. You've said it. So what else you got, Dion? Yeah, about keeping fit and that. Yeah, go on. Um, I'm in my late 50s. I'm 59 and a half. I don't keep fit. I don't go out to the gym. I don't run. And I just see people around about my age jogging with all their lycra. And they look like they're going another 100 foot. They're going to burst or have a heart attack yeah but i used to think that and i used to think oh how funny look they look ridiculous and now i go i can't do that good on them whatever they look like they're doing it when i won't Uh, i don't know i get enough exercise i live on a top floor flat so i've got three flights of stairs several times a day keeps me fit good um i smoke i drink um i don't think that's part of the regime mate yeah it is good yeah quite healthy and um i've I've, (laughs) I've always kept the same weight since I was early 20s. I've always run about 10 stones. Gosh. You're like a racing snake. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, built for speed. (laughs) (laughs) uh, No, the only run I do is either I'm after someone or someone's after me. That's about it. And how often does that happen? No, not really. Not not these days. No, it's... um, not for quite easy life. It's, you know, I've been to the gym in the past and all that. It's, I don't know, it's not something I really fancy doing, really. I don't either, but I recognise the fact that I'm getting wide around the middle and there is an obvious reason for that, and it's because I'm sitting on my jacksy all day. And you're not pregnant, then? Nah. <laughs> not unless I'm the most blessed amongst women, and I don't think that's going to happen. Right. No, I mean, it's a bit of people, but I think when you're getting older in age, it's doing running and cycling and things. It's, I don't think it can be that good for you. Right? <laughs> right. So you're not even going to try? No, I don't need to lie. I'm, I'm healthy enough, I think. Good. Even though I do smoke and drink. <laughs> God damn. Uh, well, if it's working for you, Dion. That's all that matters. But uh, Anthony, I was listening to him. Yeah, what do you reckon? Um, I... All I was going to say is, you can beat your friends, but not your family. Mm. I mean, I've got a brother I haven't talked to for getting on for 10 years. I don't know why, um, but I don't know. It is. You, you tend to do try and help people so much, and they, you know, they just don't help themselves, and they 
take advantage. Yeah. You know, it sounds like his mum and his son are just pretty selfish, really. Yeah, but he's kind of, the other th- the other part of it is that by being there all the time and by putting up with it for so long, you almost train them to be that way. Yeah, they probably do without realising. Yeah. But his son is, what, 22? Yeah. My son's 32. He spent a few hours with me today. Um, uh, at 22, he should be grown up. Oh, they're not. I don't think 22 is as old as it was when I was 22, and I was pretty immature. No, I mean, I was 20. I went to live on a beach in Crete. Um, stayed there nearly a year. What, on the beach? Yeah, I was working there and there. I loved it. It was brilliant. I, I went back um, three times and then then when I decided to come back to England the first time in 79, I walked it. People give me a lift now and again. I walked, well, I got the ferry from Crete to Athens to Piraeus and then walked all the way through Greece, Yugoslavia, Italy. Switzerland. Wow, and you're okay. the you're the man who says that you don't exercise. I don't think you need to. I think yeah. you need to put your feet up, Dion. Yeah. No, but um, I've got a lift. Some people stop giving me a lift. I stayed in Switzerland for a couple of weeks with a lady who picked me up. Oh, there's a story. Uh, yeah, it was it was great. You know, it's I'd like to do it again, but um, I have been back to the former Yugoslavia. And it's a completely different place now. Yeah, I expect so. Oh, Dion, I like chewing the fat with you, but we need to move on because I've got a couple more people I need to get to before yeah, the end. Have a good evening, anyway. You too. Nice to speak to you. Good to talk to you. Bye-bye, then, ladies. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, Dave. Hi, Kath. Hi, Katie. Hey. Good. Just like to... Um, well, first of all, I want to echo what Barry was saying. I've been listening all week, and it's been great. It's, I mean, I like... You and you and Ian, Kath, mm-hmm. a great show, but, and, but this is a different vibe, and it's it's had so many interesting conversations. Oh, thanks, Dave. Yeah. And it's, uh, but um, yeah, like I said, I've been listening all week, and I, I meant to phone up, but I'm quite a nervous caller, so it's only after a couple of glasses on a Friday evening. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably why your, your phone line's going a bit busier after midnight on Friday. Yeah, everyone's doing the same yeah, thing. Probably, yeah. <laughs> um, I did notice it's, well, especially earlier in the week, it was quite cat-heavy. Yeah, it did. It was cat-heavy. Only because I'm looking after, potentially, the thing that could break our you know, <laughs> professional and friendly relationship up. If I screw this up, this it's over. But I, I, I've, I'm out the other end of it now, and I've not killed her, so it's, it's all good. Yeah, but, but then we had the cat killer discussion as well. So, oh yeah, God, it was yeah, was ca- that, yeah, it was cats coming and going, for sure. I mean, it reminded me of the st- one of the strangest experiences I've ever had, and I've I've never been a pet person, and I wasn't in a like when I, in my house when I grew up. My dad didn't want pets or anything, mm-hmm. and one of my first girlfriends when I was about nineteen or twenty, um, we went round to her mates one evening to watch a film, um, and we were you know it was just a relaxing evening, having a couple of drinks, watching the film, and and during the evening. Uh, her cat came and jumped up on my girlfriend's lap and sat there and uh, seemed quite happy purring away. Um, and about half an hour later into the film, my girlfriend nudged me and I turned around and her face had gone white <laughs> as a sheet. And I was like, what? That's, that's my to a what? And she pointed at the cat and it had 
they had literally dropped dead in a lap. Oh my oh god! No, it, it was horrifying. <laughs> I've never heard anything like it since, like either before or since. That is was, so uh, unsettling. Was it old? Did it have a disease? No, it, it, it was only about eight or nine, um, so not particularly old. Was it a particularly crap film? Is that what did it? <laughs> if I remember rightly, it was 2010 Space Odyssey Part 2. It's not a great film. No, that's probably what did it. Dave, thank you for, <laughs> thanks for phoning. We've got to move on. All right, cheers, bye. Bye. Next time, phone us a bit earlier because I'd love to chat with you more, all right? Will do. Take bye. care. Bye-bye. <laughs> right, last person on is your choice. Ladies' choice. Ladies' choice. Is this JT? It is. Hey, JT. It is. Hey. Hey, y'all. Hey, so uh, going? it's going pretty good. So JT's a friend of mine all the way from Austin, Texas, and you were listening on your computer, right? Yeah, first time listener, first time caller. First hey. time listener, first time caller. And <laughs> yeah, JT is, is, is hey. a fabulous singer-songwriter. He is the great white hope, or maybe the great ginger hope, of Austin, Texas. And you've been over to the UK touring your Americana wares a few times, haven't you? Oh, yeah, 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 I love it. Yeah. I'll be over there I'll be over there in October doing some shows in London. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, so you got to come check it out. Um, where are you going to be playing in London, just so we can gird our loins? You know, I, <laughs> no no promises there. Uh, I'd have to, I have to look. Um on so, my calendar. Oh, how There's do we... Jonathan, uh, just uh, jonathanterrellmusic.com. Um, you know, it's all all the schedules on there. I, I just don't have it memorized right now. Right, right. Because so, you're playing all the time. So when you mm-hmm. were um, when you were in London last, um, you had a few observations, I understand, about uh, cultural differences. Because Kath and I were talking earlier on the show about the strange things that foreigners note. And what were the things that struck you about the the British character? Uh, the first thing that struck me was um, how many uh, how many gals had a spray tanned legs on the train, and I wonder. I guess it's because there's not you know a ton of sun, or as not as much as we get here in Texas. For sure, it's and been pretty good for the last a, month or so, but that's unusual. We're thinking it's global warming. Yeah, it's 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 been uh, it's been a hundred degrees here for uh, about three months. So. Okay, so yeah, you win. It's, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to come over and wear some jackets <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, because you. What's your uniform there back in Austin? What do you wear? Um, super short, cut off jean shorts. So and at night, yeah. So basically, wears, Daisy Dukes. Yeah, pretty much. Everybody just wears tiny clothes, and then at night you just wear longer, tiny clothes. <laughs> But you, but do you always you always wear your Stetson? Is that right? Yeah, you got you got to you got to represent, you know. But but you have you know in the summertime you have the the straw, in the wintertime you know in the fall you have the the felt. Unless you're on stage, then it's acceptable to wear a felt. And then what you know? ab- what about on on your feet? Is it cowboy boots always? Like, are you gonna be kicked? well with the shorts? With the shorts, yeah. Do you wear them with the shorts? Yeah, sometimes, sometimes, yeah. Uh, cowboy boots. But you know you can wear some uh, some some sneakers, you know, uh, if you if you want. Um, and then um, and then if you're if you go out and play golf with me and my band, we'll, uh, we don't really wear shoes at all on the golf course, so it's kind of nice. That's you know? that sounds admittedly just a little trashy to me. If you're if you're barefoot yeah. on the golf course, or is that if, you know what? what? You get out there in some short shorts and listen some uh, listen to some Hawaiian music with the 
shoes off on the golf course. It's it's, uh, it's just what the doctor ordered. You know what I mean? You are painting a pretty picture. And <laughs> and so and so, what else? When you were when you were touring Britain last, what were some of the other things you mm-hmm. noticed besides orange orange legs on ladies on the tube? You know, coming from Texas, uh, you know, a great meat eating state. You know, uh, we, we pride ourselves on barbecues and you know beef and cattle ranches you know uh, I, I guess a lot of situations you guys uh i just wasn't offered many vegetable options there which i thought you know which i, I love some vegetables you know i gotta you gotta stay trim gotta stay healthy yeah. eat your vegetables like your mom said but um not a lot of vegetables there and um and everybody drinks almost as much as they do in austin but just heavier things you know and and where where were you experiencing the vegetable free cuisine? I I gather that was the north, the north of England. Oh, right. it, okay, yeah. it was the north. That's yeah, my people. It was the north. That's my people right yeah. there. <laughs> That's your people there, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, it was. Um, I was just very full, very full. And I, I think I think about a week into the the tour, I went like straight vegan for like four days. I was just like. I can't do it anymore. You need to clean out that <laughs> that digestion. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I just Some, I just want to give me an apple. <laughs> you got yeah, you got to get that fiber. They're a bit fiber free and they the, the other yeah. problem is that It's all about but, filling you up and keeping you, you know, fueled up ready to do some hard work. That's the thing about but the north. Charming, good. Charming as they can get though. I'll tell you that, you know. Yeah. Good. Hey, I just Charmin, I just looked up JT. I looked up your schedule since you haven't committed it to memory, and it looks like you're gonna, you're going to be in London from the 9th of October to the 14th, and you're going to be playing all over from the Borderline to Bush Hall to the Oslo and Hackney. So everybody can check that out. And um, what what kind of yeah. music to for the people who are not yet. Um, uh, indoctrinated in the cult of JT, aka Jonathan Terrell. What kind of music um, do you play? Um, you know, a, a lot of what I'll be doing over there. This will be uh, acoustic shows, so I'll just be playing, uh, you know, guitar and harmonica, and they're more kind of storyteller, uh, songwriter, you know, things. It's a little bit more, you know, uh, kind of on the country Americana side. Mm-hmm. It's got some rock and roll to it, you know. It's got some dirt in there, you yeah. know, some grit. You got some grit, um, but you know it's uh, it's all about you know some uh, some heartache and uh, you know some some country country vibes, but not too hillbilly. You know what I mean? What is it? Dolly says it's f- four chords and the truth. Four chords and the truth. That's right. <laughs> I think I think uh, I think uh, Merle summed it up even harder. He said three chords and the truth. So <laughs> <laughs> optional. If you want to be super flashy, yeah. you throw the extra chord in there. Yeah, yeah he's, she's trying to be fancy, you know. Yeah, sounds awesome. But, so this is jonathantyrrell.com if you want to find out some more information. Um, there you go. And maybe we catch up with you when you come over in October. Yes, let's do it. All I right. want to do it. Well, I'm sure Katie will hook us All up, right. won't you? Oh, Katie will hook okay. us up. <laughs> awesome. Thanks very much Look for talking up, to us, JT. Right. You take care of yourself. Love it. Toodaloo. Bye, ladies. Bye, bye. bye. Must remember, if he does come in, don't use fake tan. Hi. Hello to you. Are you all right? Yeah, fine. Thank you. you. This is Martin Kellner's voice, of course. And it you'll be hearing indeed. more of it in about... Oh, oh too much more of it. Four, about eight minutes four time. Four flipping hours of it. What you, you got? Can, yeah. Well, um, what do you think it's like to live in a country that has 46,000% inflation? I'm talking about Venezuela. Uh, yeah, Venezuela. It's, it's unbelievable. We've got to get, there's a guy out there who's going to tell us exactly what it's like. But people are queuing up for rotten meat. Basically, oh, it's, seri- it's absolutely awful. The um, the tube, the underground, the metro, 
uh, they run out of paper. For the, there's no paper. There's going to be no paper. So they can't print tickets. So everybody's going on the tube for free. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not working. You know, the escalators aren't working. Nothing's working, basically. Power oh cuts. God. It's an absolute horror story. And uh, we'll be talking to someone on the inside in uh, Venezuela. Now, another story uh, I was doing, this was um, a, a swingers club. In Blackpool. Oh, yeah, we talked we, about this yesterday. Yeah, we were. It's yeah, about so the you jealous know the story. Yeah, because I thought anything goes. I mean, personally, I've never been to a swingers club. I mean, I don't know whether you two no, have. No, no, no. Not intentionally. Having, no. having examined story. the story yesterday, it seems to have transpired after the main activity had was over and they were in the changing room and I'm wondering whether what goes on in the changing room is different from what goes on in the main room. Yeah, well in a public swimming bath it is. But I mean, <laughs> this, this guy, this guy was arthritic, an arthritic swinger. I mean, I don't know how that hampers you in those sort of uh, activities. Whether you're... Anyway, it's an arthritic swinger. Somebody's having to put his socks on. Um, so I was, um, and Jed, who I do this, you know, our Jed Mills yes. on Talk Sport, we do the simulcast with at uh, 3.50. He's from Blackpool. He knows the club. Uh, he can give us uh, inside info. Oh, I want to hear that, because yeah. we had so many questions, didn't yeah, we, last night? exactly. That's um, all coming up with Martin Kellner. Yes, it is. Uh, what hours are you keeping tonight? Uh, one till five. One till five. Yeah. You don't need to go anywhere for ages, and it's going to be bliss. Thanks Bless very you. much for your company, um, Katie Puckrick. Thank you. It's been a true delight. It's been so much fun. And thank you, dear listener. And thanks to everyone who's given us a ring as well. So many stories and so many fantastic um, calls. I really appreciate it. It's wonderful. Sam did the um, production today for the very first time. Yes. Seamless. Big up yourself, Sam. Um, it's a bit <laughs> embarrassing, though. You're supposed to make it look more difficult than this. Everyone's going to re- realise that it's the easiest job in the world. Thanks very much. Um, have a wonderful weekend. I shall be back uh, 10 till 1 with, of course, Ian Lee. He's back on Monday. And don't forget about me, Kath. Of Bring me back soon. You need to text me because you've got so many adventures going on. I need to know about Mr. <laughs> Three Doors Down. Good night from <laughs> us. Take care of yourselves and we shall see you Monday. Bye.